Hello, everyone. We have a primer this week. Uh, during this week, Rage was somewhat sick. We will open the show with a quick little chat about that. But, um, there were a lot of extra coughs and sniffs and noises this week. And I have done my due diligence and attempted to get them all. I do apologize if I missed some. This was a long show this week. And it took me quite a while to edit it all together. Still, I hope you enjoy. And I'll see you on the other side of the theme song. Speaking of which, go for the theme song. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on January the 9th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, still sickly, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to be going through the Steam bestsellers list of 2017. We're also going to be taking a look at the Steam award winners of 2017. Lawbreakers publishers have written it off, and they blame PUBG for its failure. Homeland Security rolls out a virtual school shooter game to teachers. EA is looking into EOMM, that's Engagement Optimized Matchmaking, algorithms to promote games as service. We're going to be having a Patreon-selected topic, Is Steam Too Powerful? We'll have our weekly community corner. Hello, Rage. How are you? Well, I'm better than I was, uh, you know, about five days ago. Yeah, I had a fun journey of uh, various um, mucus and uh, bodily functions. Most, uh, well, nothing too terrible. It's just uh, bad enough to prevent me from recording or really doing anything productive whatsoever. I mean, there's nothing like, ha- uh, you know, suddenly developing a Swicker's cough. Yeah. I feel you. I have, I mean, everyone on this show should know by now. I have bad allergies. There's only like two or three weeks a year where I don't have to take allergy medicine. That's usually in the dead of winter when everything finally fucking dies around here because we're far enough. I'm far enough south that most winters are wet and wet and just cool instead of, you know, wintry. So there's plenty of of cold weather plants that are still out and they don't spew. Yeah. Or sploosh. Last week was a good one because the massive snowstorm brought it made it so cold that everything died out for a week or a week and a half. Oh, don't worry, was- Daniel Jackson. We'll send you off to the desert plant before too long. <laughs> you know, that probably wouldn't be so bad for me. Um, although it was cold enough that I actually wore pants. <gasps> yep, real pants made from denim with the word Wrangler on them. That's right. I wore jeans for the first time in three years. Occasionally, I have to wear dress pants to formal functions, so I have worn pants more than shit than that. But like jeans and most normal winter clothes, it just doesn't get cold enough here that I ever need to wear them. So, I actually wore jeans of my own volition for the first time in years this past week. I'm just imagining now, Katie, after tackling you and put pants on you now. <laughs> she. She, uh, like, I walked out of the bedroom into the living room. We were getting ready to go. It was when we went to the movies to go see Jumanji, which that would be an excellent segue if I wasn't done or if I was done with my story. But we were going to go see Jumanji. And she was like, 
holy shit, you're wearing pants. I was like, it's 19 degrees outside. I'm wearing pants today. She was like, wow, we have to let everyone know. So, I don't know if she did. I, uh, I, I never like, did get that to, tweet. I was like, if you want to, you could totally take a picture and put it on Twitter or something, but I don't think she did. Yeah, that would require her to get on uh, Twitter, wouldn't it? Yeah, shouldn't do for Twitter, Twitter very much. But yeah, it was really uh, cold. So Now, wore, now here I'm pants. just imagining most of the time whenever you wear pants, it's hot pink and it says juicy across the ass. <laughs> I've got a really good ass for it, so. But no, I don't. I usually just wear shorts or my boxers. I'm gonna wear my. I wear just my boxers a lot more, especially after wearing pants. <laughs> I came home and I just took my pants off and walked around in my boxers for a while. Anyways, enough about my bits, my dangly bits, uh, and things. Speaking of Jumanji, I went and saw that over the weekend with Katie for date night. That is a pretty good video game movie. The new Jumanji, in case you don't know, dear listeners, uh, is a video game. The and like a tiny minor spoiler for the first like five minutes of the movie, the the Jumanji board game transforms into a video game because nineties kids are too cool to play board games. So, yeah, but it was it was a really it, it was really funny. It's a pretty good movie overall, really funny, and one of the better video game movies I've seen. Period. Like, it's up there with Wreck-It Ralph and Existence and better than the Warcraft movie. Uh, and the Warcraft movie is one of the better ones, even though a lot of people disliked it. And and also up there with Hardcore Henry. Just in, like, it captures... I think the best video game movies, actually, definitely the best video game movies, are the ones that don't try and just be a video game. Like, the Tomb Raider movies or... Mortal Kombat. Although Mortal Kombat is good, but it in like a so bad and cheesy way that it's good. This was actually a pretty good movie that had lots of little video game logic quirks in it and <laughs> things like yeah, ding. Um and it it played up like each of the characters have strengths and weaknesses and levels and lives and things like that. It did it did a really good job. I was really surprised at how good of a video game movie it was. Cuz I just thought I knew that they were doing the video game thing, but I just thought that was going to be like the hook for the movie, and then they were pretty much just going to ignore video games altogether, like how the first Jumanji really didn't have much to do with the board game. I mean, like, that's how they, you know, they would take yeah, their turns, a, yeah, and that's how stuff piece, would come and out. that was about it. Yeah, and I assumed that would be the case, but they really worked in a lot of video game concepts. I think we might be going to see in the next five to ten years a lot of really good video game movies, because people who are young enough to have grown up playing video games are going to be into the film industry if they're not already. And we're going to see them start to get their shots at making, you know, the next generation of movies. And I'd say we're going to see some pretty good video game movies in the next decade. Well, I think a good video game movie <clears throat> doesn't have to be about a video game, or I should say a particular franchise. As a matter of fact, ones that try to tell the story in a particular franchise tends to fall flat unless they kind of just completely break away and it's... Yeah, you know, that game and name only. I mean, look at, uh, let's, uh, well, how about the Final Fantasy movie? It, Which one? Well, I was going to say the first one, the one that they tried to go photorealistic and went hugely over budget and actually killed Squaresoft for. <laughs> um, is that uh, Advent that, Children? Yeah, Advent Children. On its own, it's not a bad movie. It's a little wonky. 
But if you uh, try to call a video game movie and call a Final Fantasy movie outside of a few just references, it's not a video game movie. So it's kind of that weird in between. Well, you were talking about the Warcraft movie. Doesn't that just kind of just play with the lore of the first game and that's about it? It doesn't really reference anything that the game would have had uh, in particular or any game mechanics whatsoever? No game mechanics. It just focuses a lot of... Or, um Sorry, references a lot of the lore from the first game. Yeah, which the, the World, World of Warcraft, Warcraft game. well, I should say the World, and then Warcraft, some stuff World from World has Warcraft. a lot of really good backstory and lore. Granted, overarching storylines in the game itself are kind of crap, but and it's, it's an MMO, so it's kind of to be expected, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but whatever you try to get, play in the world of the game, like <laughs> Tomb Raider... It doesn't really work. Granted, the first Mortal Kombat was actually pretty good, and it was playing kind of in the world of Mortal Kombat. But yeah, it, the but, first... but it also was more focused on just straight up badass fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't really hamper itself with things like plot or you know story elements. Well, really, the first Mortal Kombat was based on the original Mortal Kombat game, which or one of the originals I can't remember, which has exactly a very loose one. plot <laughs> outline <clears throat> around. People being the ever living stud out one other, right? And which is basically them. what the movie did. It had a little bit of extra plot just because it needed to do something to move the characters forward. But I mean, really, it was just fight two somewhere between two and five minutes to get to the next fight. That's the entire movie, aside from the first ten or fifteen minutes where we meet all of the characters. I really like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, the first movie was actually really good. The second one's really bad. Um. Yeah, it's really bad because it tries to give Mortal Kombat a full story, and yeah, it does a really don't poor do job. Yeah, you, you don't story, you don't lore Mortal Kombat because it kind of breaks down after a while. <laughs> <clears throat> Plus, they changed several of the actors for the main characters from the first movie, just because they wouldn't come back to do it again. And it's like, oh, you're not the same. It's sad. But anyways, yeah, video game movies seems to be slowly getting better. And the key also seems to be, let's not try and tell the story of a game if we want to make a good game, video game movie. World of Warcraft, or Warcraft kind of skirts the edge. I'm a pretty big Warcraft fan, so I know a lot of the stuff that was in the movie. But if you didn't really, it it would be much less... Much more com- uh, uh, incomprehensible. Yeah, much more convoluted and, yeah, incomprehensible. So that would pro- definitely knock it down a few notches. It did have stellar CGI and excellent fight scenes and things like that. So if you didn't know anything about Warcraft, it would just be be a good sort of fantasy adventure, action-adventure movie. But anyways, yep, Jumanji was good. Good movie, guys. If you haven't had a chance to go see it and you're looking for something that will make you laugh, go see it. Otherwise, just wait for it to come to... DVD or Netflix or whatever services you have available in your place of residency. Anyways, games that we played this week. We should talk about some. Yeah. I had a very light week myself. I ended up spending a fair amount of time just driving around <laughs> randomly in Euro Truck, mostly with my head tilted because I'm also taking eardrops for the next, uh, well, about half a week still because I had a slight ear infection as well. Nothing major, just, you know, a little bit of redness, so nipping that in the bud. 
Yeah. Uh, pl- the infections are yeah, pl- no bueno. Played a little bit of Cuphead, which uh, after about two days of illness, uh, my sleep cycle was so disturbed already. And just uh, coughing constantly, I wasn't sleeping on that well, so my hand-eye coordination was absolute shit. So I've only really been able to game the last couple of days. And the first one I played was one I picked up during the Steam sale as kind of just a... I, I call these wallet killers. They're usually sub-dollar in the Steam sale just to you know, kill off the last little bit of my Steam wallet to get it to zero. Because why the hell not, right? Yeah, usually I buy trading cards for that, but... I mean, you can't get really cheap games, so sure. Yeah. What the hell not? Yeah, this was, I believe, 70-some cents in the Steam sale. It's called Access Denied. It's a series of logic puzzles, at least in the very beginning, pretty simple ones, where you're given a box and you have to figure out uh, the uh, puzzle to unlock it, and then you move on to the next one. There's no overarching story, at least as far as I could tell in the probably about half an hour I played of it so far. Uh, there's 30 some uh, 36 levels to it and i've been through about a third of them so far and it's all uh very tactile you're uh, moving the uh, box around in a 3d space on your workbench and it's kind of a neat touch that uh, i know this is going to sound incredibly dumb but it it was a neat touch to me you see the clock in all the screenshots it syncs to your uh, system clock oh that's cool It, it was one of those it's like Huh, that's kind of uh of coincidental it's showing uh you know, about the right time uh, for me and then I realized wait that is the right time. I I really like little details like that. In in Elite Dangerous, it's got a, a system clock that you can see, but it's set to uh GMT and you can't change it. And that bugs the shit out of me. Like every time I look at it, I'm like, that's not the right time. I have to subtract five hours mentally to know what time it is without looking at my phone or something. Yeah, it was just uh, uh, an interesting little uh, side thing that the clock uh, on the on your workbench actually shows the right time, but all of them are, at least at the very beginning, pretty simple. Just uh, look around at the uh, machine and figure out the trick to the puzzle. And it's it feels almost like what a mobile game uh, would have been. Uh, for this type of thing. As far as I can tell, it's not a mobile port. I had, at least I wasn't able to find it because it, it has that sort of feel of, you know, full mouse uh, controls, very large uh, UI, that sort of thing. So that's why I was thinking uh, mobile port at first, but a uh, very tactile uh, logic puzzle game. Uh, I think it's well worth a pickup if you like, you know, just kind of interesting little puzzles that aren't really connected and there's no overarching story you just want a, a little time killer i mean granted you did do a little time killer already in uh, your game site you played uh, i can see that yeah that i think i suggested before so <laughs> yeah you did so i think uh I'll, I'll, we'll probably be hearing about this one again in the future <laughs> yeah and most of them are pretty simple once you figure it out and there's usually a, about a minute or two of flipping switches like huh how does this work? Flip a switch, uh, look at the box, try to figure out what changed. And, and uh, it kind of uh, resonates with me. Cool. It does uh, seem like something I'd be interested in. It's like a good little time waster type game. Yeah, I would say I like stuff like that probably overall it would be about two or three hours of play time. Maybe four, depending on how tough the later puzzles get. Because I uh, you know, got fairly far in, but uh, it 
well, I got a fair ways in, not fairly far in. But, yeah, things were already starting to get a little bit tougher. Yeah. So it's a little hard to really determine, you know, just the length of time on a puzzle game to begin with. Because uh, for one puzzle, I got stuck and I couldn't figure it out. Put it down, came back later, and then it was pretty obvious after I you know, just you know, came back with a fresh mind. Right. Because I basically got uh, the order of things backwards. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's an interesting little thing. It's called Axis Denied. If, uh, it's a good uh, just wallet killer, or, you know, even you know just stocking stuffer. Grand, where uh, probably about the worst times is just stocking stuffers, though. <laughs> yeah, I'll just throw on your wish list, and next time it goes on sale, pick it up for seventy some cents. I'd say it's definitely worth that, and probably worth its full price of about three bucks. Yeah. So let's move on to a game that I didn't really care for. Okay. Warhammer 40,000 Space Wolf. Why is it with the Warhammer series of having just a real mixed bag of uh, games overall? They, uh, so I can actually answer this question. Uh, I, I, well, uh, I know the answer. They they don't give a damn about their license. They give it out to about anyone. Well, it seems that they've stopped doing that, but they gave their license out to so many people a few, you know, a couple or three years ago that all of these games are, are still coming out because they've still got the, the license to use. But yeah, a couple of years ago, they just were like, fuck it, here, everyone make make a game. Yeah, so this is, well, I'm going to use the term, uh, uh, yeah, XCOM on this, but it's not quite XCOM, but it has the XCOM bullshit on okay. top of a uh, card mechanic, uh, you know, Hearthstone-like game on top of squad tactics. And it feels like a very convoluted mess. And because it's a mobile port, it's already very cumbersome. Okay. So if you want to try this, I would suggest trying it on mobile first because it's free on mobile with just uh, in-app purchases instead of, you know, the nearly 20 bucks on Steam, which that's a hell of of a PC tax, huh? Yeah. Damn. Grant, they did remove all the... Uh, in-app purchases and they uh, threw in an extra campaign that you could buy for 10 bucks but that's a hell of a markup but okay let's see if i can explain this it is mostly single player or i should say it has a strong single player campaign a component but with some multiplayer as well where you are controlling the space wolves a division of uh, the warhammer lore uh, yeah just space marines because there's about, I would say probably about 100 different divisions of Space Marines in Warhammer lore. Right, yeah. Uh, Warhammer's another one of those franchises that has a lot of deep lore and a lot of interesting shit, but it's almost impenetrable if you, you haven't uh, spent a lot of time with it. And there has <laughs> yeah. been interesting games I've played on it. I really liked uh, uh, Warhammer 40k Space Marine. Granted, it did get I'd- repetitive as hell towards the end. Yeah, I also like Space Rain. That one, that one piqued my interest in the Warhammer series. Like, oh, let me go see what this is. Oh, Jesus, the wiki for this is has like a million pages. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the uh, just the wiki pages for the Warhammer armor and its variants has more lore in it than I would say a good chunk of video games. Granted, this is also a board game and a uh, and a novel series and uh, all sorts of things. So, well, I know not board game. It's tabletop war game. So uh, anyone out there, don't get your pennies in a knot, unless you're into that sort of thing. 
Oink. Oh, we'll be talking about all kinds of into that sort of thing in a little bit. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I think I anyways. need an adult. All right, anyways. well, this is a tactics, or, or sorry, a squad uh, turn-based tactics game. And it has some interesting things, but it has a lot of things tacked on top of one another that because it's a mobile port, it doesn't run as smoothly as it should. Uh, for one, it's, well, turn-based tactics, so, you know, squad tactics. Uh, I, I, XCOM, like, doesn't really apply that well to here, except for a lot of your attacks also have hit chances, so you end up having the uh, the XCOM bullshit of missing an 85% chance to hit and dealing no damage whatsoever to an enemy that's literally standing in front of you and you may fail a 15-minute mission because of it. Because all your squad mates have to survive. Which was infuriating. Wait, they they all have to uh, survive at least in some, every mission? Uh, uh, no, not every mission, but so, but the mission that I nearly failed, I had a squad mate uh, was low health, and I wasn't drawing any of my heal cards. Every single one of your squad mates has their own individual deck, and you can only customize your... Uh, your commander's deck, at least as yeah. far as I got in the game, because honestly, I got annoyed with it enough that I put it down. You, uh, I could only customize your commander's deck, so you only really know what's in that deck until you spend enough time with your squad mates to be able to level them up uh, to get extra cards in their decks and also to learn what's in their decks. But also, uh, the uh, decks have a certain synergy. There's uh, link cards where if you fulfill a certain uh, uh, situation, it uh, either boosts or buffs or debuffs the, the enemy. Like, for example, the sniper that I got on the second mission, if he attacks someone that is more than three tiles away with his sniper rifle, uh, he deals uh, has a chance for bonus damage if that particular card is in his hand. But uh, that is only for him. Uh, other... Uh, One's ha- bonus for melee damage. Your commander has three different armor types that you could swap in between to uh, be able to uh, ch- kind of fill out and uh, boost up. But all of them also have their own progression. So you really want to focus on a pr- couple particular squad mates and one, p- most likely one or maybe two different types of armor. And this is on top of unlocking cards throughout uh, doing missions, uh, getting a bonus objectives, and also just crafting them. Uh, granted, I didn't see a um, microtransaction in the Steam version. I assume that's in the uh, mobile version because that's probably their monetization. It's an interesting way to do the card uh, generation, though, because it's not just booster packs. You have a uh, chance to get booster packs, but you could also get uh, or just craft individual cards and depending on the difficulty of the craft you do it increases the chance that you get more rare cards so if you want you could set it up so that you're uh, spending more of the weapon parts if I recall correctly that's what they're called to try to get legendary cards over commons and it seems like they stack the uh, Booster packs to give a fair amount of uh, legendaries as well. Just in the handful that I opened, I got quite a few. Granted, that could also be weighted that you know, the first few are, you know, have a higher chance. It's always really tough to tell, isn't it? 
Yeah, it also could be that they've changed the drop rate for the PC version yeah. since you purchased it outright. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's crossplay on this or not. Or I didn't. Spent more. I, I didn't even bother with the multiplayer because uh, PC has hardly any population, and if it has crossplay, then the people on mobile that's still playing this after a couple of years would just yeah be decked out uh, through the roof. Yeah. So it seemed it seemed uh, like an extraordinarily bad idea. Uh, but let's see. Um, uh, some of the interesting things about it is how, how they determine turn order. That that was actually a really interesting one. Okay. Okay. All the cards have a particular <laughs> effort uh, attached to them. Uh, like uh, sh- uh, doing an attack uh, expends a, or builds up a certain amount of effort. You know, like an, a, a full-blown attack may be eight effort, for example. All right. Uh, okay. or, and movement is less than that, let's say, four uh, or five, depending on the type of movement, because there's sprints, there's runs, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's whoever has the least effort uh, at the time takes the next turn. And after each turn, everybody's effort goes down. Uh, I think it's four. And then the next person that has the least effort goes next. So you can actually stack it where you could do one attack. Uh, build up your effort to just under what the enemy has. Quit your turn because you have a two-turn uh, limit or a two-action limit. Uh, very XCOM-like on that one where uh, you can play two cards, I should say. That's why I keep coming back to XCOM because of just the way the camera looks and some of the uh, uh, design decisions. Okay. You could do an attack, and if you have less effort than anyone else, that person goes again. Or you could also set it up where uh, you do an attack, you play a card that reduces your effort, which there are a few, and then when your turn ends, you may come back around where it's you playing again on that particular character. Or your other character plays, and it's the uh, previous character a second time. And it leads to some interesting situations, particularly whenever some of the enemies also have it built where uh, there are link attacks where... If they get attacked, their effort goes down extra. So you kind of want to focus uh, down particular enemies. And since this is the Warhammer universe, everybody is built like fucking tanks. So there is a lot of health uh, to go through. But things also hit like a fucking truck because Warhammer weapons, uh, they uh, fire essentially missiles. Yeah, they're stupidly OP, but in a good way. And then you uh, get to the orcs, <laughs> which uh, isn't, uh, the, uh, if I recall correctly, orcs have a particular type of magic in the Warhammer universe that's literally called, if they believe it works, it works. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure that's a thing where if it doesn't make sense to anyone else, but it w- makes sense to them, it'll work. Pretty much the uh, the uh, video game logic to a T. And you're looking into oh, this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I am I went to look it up, but the wiki page for this <laughs> must... I mean, it's, it just keeps scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. <laughs> if this, if I was to print this out, I'd say it would be close to 40 pages of, of printed text. Uh, but, yeah. Th- it's... Uh, the Warhammer universe is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, that is. But, yeah... We- we're a little off topic. Uh, the the reason why I didn't really care for it is one that it's clunky as hell. 
It's a little hard to tell just who is, uh, uh, whose turn is active if you're not, if you don't sit down and try to figure it out yourself because, uh, it does have a good, really good indicator on screen of just who's active until you start okay. uh, making turns. Uh, the first few, uh, campaign missions, your squad is scattered and that doesn't make for good squad tactics. <laughs> you end up just fighting a bunch of single, uh, uh, skirmishes, which, just kind of put me off from the game. They uh, do kind of front load you with a bunch of cards, but they don't really teach you, you know, what makes a good deck. They just uh, have you, ha- you have a few pre-made decks and you look at them like, well, that's a thing. Now, what do I do with all the legendary cards you gave me? And also uh, there's a strong sense of uh, snowballing with particular characters that I think would uh, happen, which would be- make you want to try to, kind of force in characters that don't really make sense to a mission, which kind of puts me off from doing the single-player campaign. Okay. Oh, shit. I was way wrong. 93 pages. <laughs> I just I just copy and pasted the whole thing straight into a new Google Doc. It might be a little bit long because it fucked up the formatting with the images that it copied over, but still, that's a lot of pages about orcs. Uh, Let's see. The orcs like, uh, I had to go find this. The orcs like individual psychic, uh, uh, power being, uh, denied such abilities by the old ones. However, they do have a sort of collective, a uh, collaborative collective psychic ability, meaning that if enough orcs believe something is true, they'll actually become so brought into power by, uh, uh their, uh, gestalt, uh, psychic ability. For example, orc rockets painted yellow create bigger explosions. Explosions. Simply because the vast majority of orcs believe they do. <laughs> huh. Isn't that awesome? That... <laughs> yep. That is awesome. Also terrifying. That would be terrifying in that universe. But... Okay. I-, I had to go look that up to yeah make sure I wasn't uh, being completely wrong there. Uh, but yeah. <sighs> I think there's elements here that I would enjoy. And maybe if I had a more patience with the game, I would enjoy it more. Because I do want a single-player card-based game, and there's only a few of them around that are even halfway decent. And this is decent enough if uh, the Warhammer uh, theme doesn't really put you off, because, yeah, Warhammer is definitely uh, off-putting to some. Right. I think that's I think that's fair enough to say. There's a certain uh, sense of... Uh, well, a, a certain... Uh, power fantasy in it that I think some people don't enjoy. And also, uh, the kind of just the overall theme of things, uh, would, uh, be a little off-putting to some. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I, 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 as I've been talking about this, I've kind of changed my own mind about maybe I should give this more time, but it's just so damn cumbersome to play. I, I just can't uh, really articulate just how annoying it is. Yeah, I'll, it's on my wish list. It didn't get, Cheap because I was thinking about a new strategy. Well, this was a review copy from ages ago. Okay, I would say, uh, well, you have a tablet. Uh, you'd probably uh, be okay trying on the tablet. No, I don't have my tablet anymore. Huh. I sold that thing ages ago. I'm not sure how it would do on phone, but you could always try it. I could. I might. If I like it, then I'll buy it on PC. It's just a very high PC tax. It's not something. I think that's probably the big thing is that I'm looking at the at the price and thinking that is really, really, really not worth that price. 
Yeah. And I don't think it really went on sale all that much. Uh, looks like historically, during the last team sale, it looks like it was uh, 40% off for the deluxe edition. Which the deluxe editions, that's the one with everything, isn't it? So. Yeah. So 40%, it was like, I, j- I just looked at it, it was 11 something? Well, right now, the deluxe edition is 5% off. <laughs> I mean, that's better than nothing if you want to buy it right now, but it's just after the the Steam Winter Sale. You probably shouldn't be buying games right now. Yeah, unless you missed the Steam Winter Sale. Yeah. Isn't GOG having a sale right now, or is that one already over, too? I thought they were having, like, a New Year's sale or uh, something. Yeah, or something. Or, uh, there's always Humble Bundle whenever they eventually get around to a decent game. Yeah. There's also the Steam Weekly sales, which granted are nowhere near as good as the big sales, but sometimes, sometimes I find stuff on those that is right there in my price range to buy. Yeah, to be fair, uh, uh, Humble Bundle does have their staff picks with Scribble right now with a dollar for Fight Club. Yeah. It's about the only thing worthwhile in the dollar range. <laughs> uh, Humble Bundle really has become hit and miss, hasn't it? Yeah. Although, to be fair, it was always kind of hit or miss for me. It just seems like it's gotten a little bit worse. Oh, shit. It's one of... I just went to go look at the Sword Art. Like, it popped up on my recommended, so I hopped over to the Sword Art Online thing. Mm -hmm. And it's pre-purchased rewards with tears. That's what you meant earlier. Yeah. Yeah, we were... uh, uh, During the pre-game, we were talking about potential story things. And uh, one thing led to another, because it always does. And we got talking about uh, Jim Sterling uh, having a video pop up just literally as I was thinking, oh boy. It was like he, uh, is it, uh, Jim Sterling's becoming uh, like a uh, a fat Jiminy Cricket uh, for the gaming yeah. industry. Yeah. In, in, a le- in a latex bodysuit with very hard nipples. That That's literally what he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's doing a real wrestling. Yeah thing this month this week and i think I think two is it this week i thought it was the 21st well, well, well he was talking about maybe it is next week he was talking about how the his uh is a spider contest is after the uh, premiere of stardust his wrestler yeah yeah so so it would be next week i guess or it depends on you know when it you know days days are tough yeah days are tough Man, I know that this is completely off topic, but I really like Sword Art Online. Maybe I, I never maybe. really sat down and watched it. Uh, I watched a few episodes of it, and I kind of put it down because I, I, it feels like one of those uh, shows that I should marathon instead of watching uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah, the there's already a is this an actual MMO? There's a an, a Sword Art Online game that's from the first season. Or based around the first season, and then this game is from the second season. Now, a uh, quick question: uh-huh. uh, If you alt F four this, does it microwave your brain? <laughs> Only if you play it in VR. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, I compl- we completely. Uh, and that's a, that, 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 that's a plot point in the anime, by the way, for anyone that's wondering yeah. what the hell. That is that is. A I, I was pretty much uh, done anyway. It's just I wanted to make sure that the orc thing I wasn't completely making up. 
But it turns out okay. uh, enough of me believed it, that, so it became true. So it became true. <laughs> I love the fact that if you paint rockets yellow, they explode <laughs> better. They explode bigger, yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I similarly have a small list of games this week. Uh, I have three. The first is Please Don't Touch Anything. You played this a long time ago and recommended it to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it that's a fun toy uh, game. You know, just sit down and uh, mess with it. It may be a better mobile game, to be perfectly honest. I picked it up uh, not in this sale, but the last one, the fall sale, or maybe it was the summer sale, mm-hmm. for like a dollar. And it's been sitting here, um, just like waiting for me to play ever since, and... Uh, I was laying in bed on uh, Saturday night after we got home from date night um, because t- Katie had to get up and teach. She went to bed early, and I was like, well, it's date night. I'll come lay in there in bed with you, and after you fall asleep, I'll play on my computer or something. Um, and so I was like, what can I play on my computer uh, or on my laptop? And you started scrolling, that's... scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this would be good. This would be good. Uh, I've been meaning to try this out. So please don't touch anything as this odd little, what would you say? I would call it a puzzle. Uh, I would call it puzzle. A, I would call it a sort of a puzzle game. Yeah, it's sort of a puzzler, but it's also just like got this weird sort of experience, experimental, experiential type stuff that you can do. Um, I mean, the game starts out and there's this person talking to you. He's like, hey. I'm going to go get some coffee or go to the bathroom or something. Watch my desk and don't touch anything. And your <laughs> your character's like, "What? You're going what? I don't know what to do." And the guys like, "Don't worry about it. Just don't touch anything." And then the game lets you play it. And there's uh when you first look at it at the console, there's just a big red button in the middle and a little like switch or something that says restart. And nothing I mean, you can sit there, I guess, for forever. I don't know if anything happens if you just sit there and don't do anything. Uh, there's actually an ending for that. <laughs> oh, so if you sit there long yeah. enough, he comes. does he come back and he's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's an ending. Nice. Well, I didn't do that. I immediately pushed the button because, well, I mean, obviously I would. Now, now so. is your uh, button bigger and does it work? <laughs> oh, let's not get started on that. <laughs> Although the first thing the button does is unlock a switch you can flip, and then when you push the button again, there's a, a nuclear explosion that blows up the city on the view screen. So, But as you push the button, things start happening. And the, you like you push the button once, and this toggle switch comes up, and then you can flip the toggle switch, and then the next time you push the button, there's, like, there's an ending to the game, and the city blows up. And then you just have to hit restart. Or actually, that one restarts you on its own. But some of them, you actually have to push the restart button after you're done. But if you keep pushing the red button, new sort of panels open up and drawers open and there's a screwdriver and a hammer and then you can use the screwdriver and the hammer to further do things to the control panel and the screen. And the the first few things that you can discover and play around with are all based around the big red button. But if you push, eventually if you push the big red button too many times, it just resets you um, and you get an ending for that. Um, but as you go, you can unlock different compartments to get different endings and there there's like a big there, there's a, a like a board or a poster or something it says instructions on it and it's got like really vague hints and also little puzzle algorithms that you can figure out which open new control panels and give you different endings there's some weird shit in this game <laughs> so the endings i got in order first were the nuke 
And I did that a couple of times, messing around with stuff, because I was, I was like, maybe if I flick the toggle <laughs> switch and then do some different things with these buttons, a new panel will open or something. But it, as far as I know, it doesn't. Uh, maybe it does. I only got, how many endings did I get? 10? 11? And I, I looked it up. There's 25 endings, I think. Yeah. So, um, but then I started messing around. I got the screwdriver and opened the one with the colored panels. As soon as I got the hammer, though, the first thing I did was smash the screen mm-hmm. and get the Illuminati ending. <laughs> that, I felt like that one was really obvious, but when I went to look up... I actually didn't um, get that one. But oh, really? But I, I haven't played this game in ages, so... It okay. was one yeah. I yeah spent some time with and then put down, never really picked up again. Oh yeah, I went to go look up some of the endings online uh, just to see how many there were, and I looked at a few of the ones that I didn't get. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, I never, I didn't find the Illuminati ending." And like as soon as I got the hammer, my first thought was, "I have to smash the screen and see if I or see if I can." But I guess I'm just more I don't know destructive than some people are. The weirdest ending that I got by far though was smashing the red button and then the alien or the baby or the fetus or whatever mm-hmm. that thing is comes out the bloody fetus and you have to smash the red pustules that pop up out of the control panel with the hammer that's probably where playing it on mobile would be easier because doing all of those clicks was really tiresome on my wrist and also for some reason weirdly difficult i don't know if it was something about the resolution or if it's just my mouse is for my laptop the batteries were dying or something but i don't know that didn't work out so well i had to do that one three times before i actually complete um, and then I found one, if you press the, just keep pressing the reset button, eventually you get like a little bomber game <laughs> where you have to drop bombs and level the city. That one was pretty cool. Um, there's some kind of weird puzzle that I couldn't figure out behind the instruction panel. I actually looked that one up. It's tied to a specific time of day. Ah. And if it's not that time of day, you can't complete that puzzle. In other words, midnight. change your system time. Yeah, but I, I didn't do that because I'm lazy. But... It's 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 just got a bunch of weird little endings. Um, oh, there's the and some of them are references to other things. Like there's the Stanley Parable ending, where that you have to push all of the buttons in sequence that pop up out of the the control mm-hmm. panel. And if you do that, it's has the exact same ending dialogue as one of the Stanley Parable endings. I can't remember exactly what it says, but I was like, oh, that's the Stanley Parable. Uh, there's a Papers Please style ending, where that you have to stamp like a passport of a guy that shows up on screen. He's like an Illuminati man. It's a shame it's not Georgie. Yeah, that would have been really funny. Um, but no, it's in, like an Illuminati dressed anonymous type guy. And then, yeah, there's the Illuminati ending for smashing the screen, which apparently that has a puzzle. I When I looked that one up, there's a the, that actual ending screen has uh, a puzzle on it that you can solve to get another ending. But the Illuminati ending actually force closes the game. So, like, it pops up, and it's the Illuminati symbol, and then there's, like, some other symbols on the screen around it, and that's the puzzle. And then it flashes away, and it says, we'll be watching you, and then the game force closes. And when you open it again, you get an achievement. So, I mean, this really is just a time waster. It's got some it has some weird, creepy music at some times, depending on which puzzle you wind up going into. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's just got a bunch of really different endings, and it's like, can you f- figure out the puzzle to get this ending? So... It's a it's a fun fun little time waster. I played it for how long did I play it for? It says seven and a half hours. I ran it through Idle Master. Looks like I've played it uh, an hour in the last two weeks. So that would be when I played it Saturday night. Yeah, I think I may have hit a dead end of just yeah you know, not making progress, or yeah, or just yeah you know, simply put it down and started playing something else. Which there's happens. there's some there's some stuff I couldn't figure out like. 
if you use the screwdriver on the screen, like it pops open this little, it like, I don't know, shorts out a wire or something mm-hmm. and a little countdown or a, a counter pops up and I never could get anything to interact with the counter. So I don't know what that's for or how that works. And then, like I said, there was the puzzle that I couldn't figure out and then I looked it up and it had to be done at a specific time of day and I didn't want to, I was like, nah, I'm not going to change my system clock. And then uh, I couldn't ever figure out what the colored buttons did. I couldn't get those to do anything. But otherwise, yeah, I got a bunch of, like I said, I got like 11 endings. So I got about half of them without looking up any guides. I thought that's pretty good. I might go back to it some more, but honestly, unless I'm like really bored (laughs) and in the same sort of situation, like what's a game I can play on my laptop? I mean, it's worth a buck, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth a dollar. And even at full price, it's only like, what, three bucks? Uh, Five five bucks. Five seems a bit much for what it is. Yeah, if it was like two or three bucks without being on sale, you know, that would be a pretty decent time waster game. I'm sure that's just the PC tax. Yeah. Yeah, but, because I believe yeah. this was uh, on mobile. Yeah, it, it is. So, uh, I, I need to see what it is on uh, Google Play now. I think, I, I don't know if it is free or not, but I think I got it for free for some reason. Because it's in my... It's in my like Play Store apps list, but I definitely I know I didn't buy it. Oh, it's this actually on my five phone. bucks on mobile. Okay. So no PC <laughs> tax. That's actually surprising. Well, good for them. Although to be fair, I'm not sure if this game really is worth five bucks. Maybe I'm maybe on mobile it would be worth more just because you're going to be sitting there. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna be playing this, you're definitely gonna be I'm, sitting there. I mean to be fair, this is uh, a lot uh, more interesting on mobile. Yeah, uh, I mean, more than, really... than most mobile games, I should say. Yeah, this is a really good bus, airplane, you know, transport, transportation type of game. Yeah, I told the Illuminati music starts playing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this would be a good game to sit there for like an hour or two on your commute, or if you've got to take a short flight or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if it could sustain my attention for much longer than it did, but you never know. Never know. I'll just put some anime so, yeah. poopies in it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you know, if it's on sale again and you see it for like a dollar, it's definitely worth that to kill an hour or two of time. But I mean, if you do find the concept interesting, then by all means, you spend your money the way you want to, people. I just don't think it's worth that much to me. Anyways, the next game on my list is Elite Dangerous once again. I got back from my, uh, I did some math, just like basic averaging, you know, like back of the napkin math. And uh, it took me... Uh, 30, roughly 30 hours to make that trip to the opposite side of the galaxy and come back. I got about 150 million credits for the, for the journey, 40 from the mission itself, and then another 110 from discovery bonuses. And also now in quite a few places on the map, actually, I got quite a few first time discovery bonuses. Um, so I felt pretty pleased about that. I did not quite get my discovery rank up to elite. I'm halfway through the rank just below it, which is, I believe, called Pioneer. So I'm going to have to make probably one more decent discovery trip later on to get that one maxed out. But So I'm you're saying with... that you're planning on taking another trip of self-discovery? Yeah, eh? absolutely. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> hi Um But uh, anyways, I'm, I'm not doing exploration for a little while. I've been doing community goals this week. Uh, just the community goals existed. Like they launched pretty quick to the actual launch of the game. Um, within like the first couple of patches, they added community goals in 
and initially they were just there would be there would be two missions at a spot and one of the missions or one of the community goals would be to do something and the other community goal would be opposing that and it would always be you know this station is doing this thing bring it x amount of materials and the and then the uh, opposing goal would be to stop them so if you played an open um other players would be trying to kill you and then turn in your like the whatever it was like the certificate they got from killing a player that was transporting the materials or something like that or turning your corpse yeah but because this game has a solo mode so even though you still have to be connected to the server to get the the data on market changes and um all of the stuff regarding yeah the ever uh, fluctuating price of bear asses yeah, the, all the political stuff. Um, you could still play without interacting with other players. And so that basically broke community goals because the whole opposition thing wouldn't work because everyone would just go to solo play so they couldn't be killed. So they've definitely done a lot to adjust community goals now. Uh, there's more than one community goal at a time now. Uh, currently there's two. And they don't, at least so far, they don't have opposition to one another. But there's now a lot of ongoing community projects. So they don't have... Community goals have a bonus. And for every sort of tier you complete in the goal, everyone who participates gets a bonus at the end. Um, The community projects don't have that. But they're just sort of constant, ongoing, really long-term projects that players can contribute to. And they create little pockets where certain materials are worth more or certain bounties are worth more and stuff like that. Um, And they're designed to encourage or to create more hubs where players can congregate and do stuff socially um, in open play mode. So that's pretty nice, but otherwise the community goals are roughly the same. Um, I've been participating in both community goals to get the bonuses because I'm trying to get enough money to get another new big ship. Uh, For anyone who's playing, I'm currently running the Federal Gunship as my combat vessel, and after my huge exploration run, I bought a Lacon Type 9 for my uh, cargo vessel. And I'm currently working on getting an Anaconda. And then also the Federal Corvette, but I have to get my Federation rank to Vice Admiral. So I've got a long ways to go on that one because I'm only a lieutenant. And here I thought you would shoot for Rear Admiral. <laughs> that's one of the ranks, but you have to be... I think real ad- Rear Admiral is one of the ranks. But I'm pretty sure it's it's vice anim- animal vice admiral that gives you the <laughs> the uh, required rank for the federal corvette. So I'm pretty excited though. They recently announced the next season of their of big updates for the game, and they're adding a a, a carrier, a fleet carrier. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that because I pretty much exclusively play in solo or private groups with Ghost Shark. Uh, we've only done that once, so pretty much exclusively solo mode. So I don't know what I'm gonna do with a free fleet carrier, but damned if I don't want one. So, or well, how many we're gonna uh, NPC pilots can you get? Uh, you can have up to three NPC crew members at a time. Currently, you can only have one of them flying aircraft or flying fighters out of your hangar. Um, but they've said that they're gonna be making changes to the NPC crew system in accordance with the new uh, new fleet carrier. So I'm hoping that they'll allow you to, to have NPC pilots fly your ships out of the carrier. That would be awesome. 
but they haven't specifically yeah, they said launch, that yet. Yeah, so. You see them come uh, around your ship and they just crash into one another right in front. They actually do a pretty good job. Even the lowest rank pilots that you can recruit do a pretty decent job of not doing that. They've got a pretty good AI for that sort of thing, which, I mean, makes sense because they have to have so many ships flying in space at once, uh, especially if you go into some of the big like fleet battle zones and stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, I wish uh, a lot of more space games paid attention to their AI uh, f- uh, flights because that, that was a big trouble. Uh, big problem I had in Rebel Galaxy was just AI uh, pilots were shit. Yeah, the the really low level pilots, like the levels start out at harmless and mostly harmless, and then novice and a few other ranks. Mostly harmless, he's from birth. And then it gets up to like master and dangerous, and then elite. Um, and if you're fighting opponents in the like mostly harmless range, or you know down there in the lower ranks, I mean they're they're good enough to not just like randomly crash into stuff, but they're pretty easy to kill. But once you get above. Uh, novice and get, start getting into like ranks like competent and master and dangerous and Jesus elite. Those guys will fuck you up. They are almost as good as human players, especially dangerous and elite, which are the two highest ranks. And if you're in like a smaller ship than they are, they'll ram you on purpose because they won't, it, it, whenever you ram something, it compares masses and also velocities, uh, to do a, a damage calculation. Yeah, damage calculation. And so if you're in a small ship, they won't hesitate to run your ass down and just just laugh and then go away. But, I mean, they do really good evasive maneuvers. I, I've had to switch my build as I've moved to larger ships that are less maneuverable to focus a lot more on turrets and self-gimbling weapons. Just because fighting those higher-level enemies, they're really good at evasive maneuvers and using things like chaff and electronic countermeasures to counter your weapon's fire. Um which does mess up turrets to some degree, but it's just, they're really good. This has a really good flight AI. Except whenever ships fly into stations. Those guys are, no matter what they're in, they're like, fuck you, I'm not moving over. And they will ram you every time. Assholes. Stay to the right side, NPCs. The docking computer can do it. Why can't you? I think you were. we were just chatting when I was doing some trade runs the other night, and I kept saying, well, here's another guy that hit me. It's not a problem in little ships because you, you can move to the side, but the Type 9 is one of the largest ships in the game that you can personally pilot. And so flying through what's known as the mail slot, the little um, docking port on stations, you basically, in a Type 9, take up the entire thing. So I was constantly being rammed by other ships because they don't move over or wait for you to go through. And the station keepers yell at you. They're like, oh, stop that. And I'm like, well, you're telling me to obey the rules. Tell them to obey the rules. But it's fine. I never got any fines or anything. Just warnings. I plowed into a planet at a, a kilometer a second the other day. Yeah, you may not want to do that. Yeah, so planets have different gravity ratings based on their size and their rotation, their, their rotational speed and things like that. And I didn't realize it, but I went to a high gravity planet. I was doing a cargo delivery. And uh, I was like, I'm accelerating really quickly. Like, oh, I'm faster than my ship is, or I'm I'm going faster than my ship is rated to go. This is cool. Oh, but that ground's coming up really quick. I should reverse thrust. I'm not I'm not slowing down. I should turn my ship the other way and and try and boost away from the planet. Nope, I'm not slowing down. 
well, shit, I'm going to die. And I slammed into the, the ground at a kilometer a second. Boom. I'm going to take it your insurance rates went up on that day. <laughs> Thankfully, I was doing some mission cargo runs, and I have a different ship for that. So I didn't slam my 100 million credit Type 9 into the ground. Otherwise, I would have been pissed. The insurance on that ship is really expensive because it's a, on a scale based on how expensive your ship is. So the bigger ships cost more to insure. That was fun. I also ran out of gas um, because my route planner fucked up. Because sometimes if you go into the map, it after you set your route, it tries to re-optimize your route for you. And I just like had a brain fart and didn't think to double check it after I checked the map. And because I had low fuel, it reduced my mass so I could jump farther, and I accidentally ran out of fuel. And because I don't want to participate with real players, I just self-destructed and went back to the station instead of calling for the fuel rats to help me. Because I didn't want to interact with real people. That was expensive. That was my uh, my federal gunship. That was $4 million in insurance money. Sad day. I've had several, I've had several mishaps this week. But, anyways... I got way, way off track from just wanting to report on the community goals. And yeah, no shit. Change. Yep, unless I have something really crazy or weird or interesting that'll happen, I've covered pretty much everything in the game that's changed since I've gotten back to playing it, so this should be the last time Elite Dangerous is on the list for those of you who are bored with it. Uh, and that leads me on to my last game, Genderbender DNA Twister Extreme. And I know what you're thinking. This sounds like an Animu booby game. And in some, in some cases, actually, well, I mean, it is, but it's also, I've got mixed feelings about this game. I so what looking I'm looking at this on the Steam store uh, page, it honestly looks kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm doing this in, in two little sections. I put this one last. Um, so I'm going to do a few minutes non-spoiler, and then I'm going to go spoilers in case you want to play this, because there's some stuff I need to talk about that I want to talk about that I have to talk about spoilers for. So I put it last so that in case you don't want to hear the spoilers, you can just jump to the next topic with, with the timestamps. Um, so, yeah, Genderbender DNA Twister Extreme is a visual novel game that has many different gameplay elements to it as the farther you go, um, where that the basic premise of the game is that there's this lab accident that... Um, releases a chemical into the lab and everyone who's in the lab, their biological gender gets swapped. So male to female, female to male. Um, and you relive this experience from multiple perspectives from the different characters in the lab for the, what I'll call like the first chapter or the first act. Uh, this game originally released into early access, I think in 2014, and it launched with the core story, which is the first four, um, <clears throat> the first four playable character arcs. In total, there's 13 characters, and they were adding them over, you know, over the course of the early access period. And then when the last two characters released, the the game came out of early access. So it's it's broken up into basically three distinct chapters, and I've completed nine of the 13 stories so far. The game's got a good amount of content to it. Uh, the chapters average about, or not the chapters, the, the, the story playthroughs last about two hours a piece. Uh, they have, most of them have multiple endings and, you know, of course, different choices you can make throughout. So if you want to see all the different endings and try all the different stuff, you'll definitely get 
more than that. Um, the devs say it's got like 40 hours of gameplay, and I'd say that's probably about right, based on how many times you can play through uh, the earlier stories. Um, as the game progresses into the later stories, you get less sort of or less endings, uh, but a lot more gameplay elements. There's one that has a, a detective type of feel, and you can go to multiple locations around the town and do different stuff and interrogate interrogate people and things like that. Um, there's one that says it has puzzle elements in it. I haven't done that one yet, so I don't know what the puzzles actually are. Um, and then the last story is a, is in two parts, uh, and it's supposed to be one of the longer ones. So, In terms of playtime that you can get in, you can definitely get a lot of playtime in this game. Uh, the art style is is pretty decent. Um, it changes as you go through the sort of chapters of the game uh, as the artists improve. So does the overall art style. A lot of the... they re, um, For probably the first six or seven stories, they reuse all of the old art assets. But then you notice changes into the in chapter... in stories eight and nine where that they've made some changes and they make uh, new character models and new backgrounds and things like that. <clears throat> so you can see a progression of that, but um, overall it's pretty decent, even the beginning. I mean, it's your sort of standard visual novel stuff. Um, this game does have nudity in it without uh, a patch. So if you want to see them boobies and you don't want to go through the... That's unusual um, for Steam these days. Yeah, I don't know if it's because this game is older or if... I, I don't know what really because it's not like they did anything weird with it like they're very definitely like those are definitely breasts and asses yeah, exposed that's for definitely uh, some severe artifacting on your uh, audio uh, i guess it's my turn because you had that problem earlier yeah all right then Yay, it's just, skype yeah there's just skype shedding itself I, I wasn't sure if it was that or your microphone yeah okay so yeah, you're the back writing normal. the writing can can be pretty inconsistent um I think a lot of that comes down to translation, though. This game is obviously wasn't written... Well, it, it's not a... The people who designed the game are not native English speakers. Um, and supposedly they fixed it a lot. Uh, if you go back and look at some of those older Steam forum posts and stuff on like their Indiegogo page and things like that, people are really complaining that the translation is bad. So I guess they fixed that some, some but it's still hit or miss at times. Um and the style of writing changes throughout each story as well, which I think some of that reflects the specific character that you're playing through, both in terms of the way that they speak and understand what's happening to them. So in some ways it's good, in some ways it's bad, uh, but it's not the worst writing I've ever seen in a visual novel, not by a long shot. It just feels sort of average, I guess. The biggest issue that I have with the game, without getting into spoilers, is that this game tries to have its cake and eat it too. The game explores, particularly in the first four chapters, where I feel like they were taking this game the most seriously, it explores a lot of different angles on um, sexuality and gender and the themes that revolve around uh, gender dysphoria, which is if you feel like you should be the opposite gender uh, than what you were born as. Uh, there's one one of the first four characters has gender dysphoria and they want, so they want to be a biological female 
One of the characters is bisexual uh, and doesn't really care. One of the characters is younger and is portrayed as like, well, I've never thought of this before, but maybe it would be okay. And then one of the characters starts out initially against, like, they were comfortable as a man, they didn't want to be a woman, but how how are they going to adjust to this? And if they had... Hmm. Spoilers. Uh, whoop, whoop, whoop. Spoiler alarm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and the inconsistent writing and also the tonal inconsistencies within the story make it really difficult for them to to do that. And honestly, I think that they fail. They failed at that. Uh, if they had spent more time on one or the other, the game would be a lot better for it. And when I messaged you the other day, I'd only played through those first four chapters, and I was like, what? And, you know, I, I said I had thoughts. And I do have a lot of thoughts, but I've played further since then. Uh, and when we get to spoilers, the spoiler part, I'll talk about how that, that changes the game. So, yeah, they deal with a lot of these issues. And I've pretty much... I, I can't think of anything else I can say without getting into spoilers. So, overall, I do like the game. If you're going to get the game and play it, you have to play the first four chapters to understand what's going on in the future stories because they all build on one another. But if you play, if you get it and you play the first four chapters and you don't really like the game keep playing past that the game really does change after the first four chapters at its current price of $25 I I don't think I would recommend anyone buy this game I received this as a gift for for uh, for Christmas from uh, from GoShark and I really have enjoyed it as a gift I don't think I would want to pay more than $10 for this it's it's a fine line to walk because it does have a lot of content and if you like visual novels um, then there's a lot here for you to go through, but the subject matter is really weird, and that's coming from me. Wow. Um, so I, I don't mean that <laughs> you know, against you, but weird for you. Okay, maybe I do mean it against you. It's it it's a decent visual novel that tackles some really difficult themes, and in some cases it does well, and in some cases it doesn't, but. Once it, you get past the initial four chapters, the game really improves. Um, so I'll leave it at that without getting into the spoilers. If you, I thought we already are in the spoilers. Well, I, I, I kind of started I'm talking confused. spoilers, but then I stopped. Uh, w- without getting like super, super spoilery. So this is the point where I'm going to just stop trying to sort of control what I say, and I'm just going to talk about the game. If you don't want to hear any more spoilers or any story stuff, just go ahead and skip to whatever the... Timestamp happens yeah, to time be for Yeah, timestamps will be in the show notes. Yeah, I forgot to say that earlier. Uh, uh, Whoops. Uh, uh, VGLpodcast.podbean.com Ding. So, Gender Bender DNA Twister Extreme gets real weird after Chapter 4. Actually, the or after Story 4, although even in Story 4... I would say it would four, get weird after just the end of that title. Yeah. So the first four chapters really are a bit more serious, especially the first one, where you play as a, a college student who is a boy and gets transformed into a girl, and it's like, what? I've never thought about this. I'm scared to talk to my parents, but I guess it'll be okay. And I mean, obviously, you get to make choices, and you can affect what the endings are for the specific stories, but there is like a canon ending for each story that plays out going forward. So the choices are really there just to see what you can explore and do. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of my choices wound up 
leading to the canon ending ending most of the time anyway. So I guess I'd have to go back. But after in chapter four, you play as one of the lead scientists at this research lab. Chapter chapter three and four, you play as the or story three and four, you play as the research leads from the science facility. And story four is the character who has gender dysphoria. And their story is revolves around a common thing for people in real life who genuinely have gender dysphoria. A lot of times whenever people go through their sex change, uh, they still have problems with their body. It's it's really hard to pin down an exact percentage. In my experience and what I studied, it's roughly a third of the patient uh, patients who go through gender reassignment surgery that still have problems with their bodies afterwards. And this character in this story still has problems after they become female. They don't feel like they're feminine enough. And this character sort of goes off of the deep end and turns into a mad scientist and turns herself into a cat, uh, canonically into a cat person because genetic research and science and, you know, story MacGuffins. So she didn't have enough pussy? Hi-oh. Sorry. But she turned herself into a cat, a shape-shifting cat lady, and also a squid and a snake, and gives herself giant boobs. And this is really where the story just goes way off the deep end. Like, I know that the concept is a little weird, but it's like, okay, this is the world that we live in. This is the thing that has happened and is our story. Let's go with that. You know, I can buy into that concept. Well, uh, does this um, and- pl- take place in Japan? Because, yeah, then the tentacles kind of make sense. No, it takes place in Australia. Okay. Um, and none of the characters are Japanese, and I don't think the game devs are Japanese. Well, I was more making a tentacle joke. Yeah, no, I know what you were doing, but I don't think this game has any connection to Japan outside of the art style. Um, and then, obviously, the, the stuff that happens. But, so anyways, this character just goes off of the deep end and takes it way too far. And ensuing chapters pursue this line of thinking so on the one hand that makes the game a little bit better because they've decided you know what fuck it we're just gonna go weird and crazy and pursue all of the fetishes revolving around furries because there's later on there's multiple characters who get turned into different animals there's a bunny girl a fox girl and then there's the character that's the cat girl Uh, there's mermaids Everyone gets turned into a mermaid at some point. Um, there's a slime girl. There's characters I've who seen can swap. Anime. There's characters who can swap back and forth at will between male and female gender or genders. So, and apparently later on, like in some of the s- screenshots I've seen, there's like a bee girl and a dragon girl. There's a girl that turns herself into a succubus with the sex drive to boot. So the game just goes off the wacky deep end, which is fine. I like schlocky stuff like that. And at one point in time in my life, I've been to pretty much every single one of those kinks or fetishes or whatever you want to call it. But it's just so much tonal whiplash compared to the initial stories where they're trying to, I think, explore some of the some of these issues revolving around gender dysphoria and what would it be like if you suddenly found yourself as a member of the opposite sex and what would that do to your life and how would that affect you and what if you were into it or what if you weren't or what if it's you always what you always wanted so 
yeah, on the one hand, it makes the game more playable because there's no longer every story uh, tonal whiplash. Because even in the original initial stories, I think, like I said, just because of the translation or the writing, there's a bit of tonal whiplash that happens anyway. But particularly that fourth story and then later on, it's just like, whoa, we have gone way off of the deep end. And honestly, some of the stuff, even for me, is really weird. Um, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Thankfully, there haven't been any Spider-Girls yet. If there's a Spider-Girl, I might stop playing the game forever. <laughs> um, uh, and interestingly enough, the first uh, anime I think of that has Slime Girl also has Spider-Girl in it. Yeah, I've seen some fan art of these girls online being Spider-Girls, and I don't know if that's actually in the game or if it's just... Uh, people doing fan art of the girls as spider girls um but there there are there the biggest tonal backlash or the biggest tonal whiplash that i experienced is there's one character who really hates it they hate that they have become a woman they were very comfortable in their sexuality very comfortable in their life and their life gets turned obviously upside down by this and they get played you don't actually play this character in the first four stories they're just a a side Mm -hmm. character that's there and one of the later stories comes back and explores their character arc. And within the span of like a week after they find out that they can't turn themselves back to to male, mm-hmm. because like the initial group that gets turned, like there's a story MacGuffin that means that they can't turn back. She's like, okay, maybe I can like to live as a woman. Let me try some stuff out. And she immediately gets picked up into an all-girl pop band and immediately loves her life. And it's like, like in the span of like a week. And I just was the like, fuck? what the fuck? This, yeah, it's like this character hated this. Like, was trying to uh, learn and, how to deal with it. And here I thought uh, th- there were going to be a star and a Paul Logan uh, <laughs> video. Oh. Sorry. Was that, was that wrong? Oh. No, the, the, I mean, the character does behave I, I mean, very that's why, depressed. I mean, that's why I was thinking, uh, you know, they were going to commit suicide or something. Yeah, um, it's never, honestly, it's never explicitly stated, but it's kind of hinted at that everyone's worried that this character actually will commit suicide because they're so depressed, especially after they found out that they can't be turned back. I mean, that, that, I mean, that was the first thing I thought of as soon as you talked about how much they hated it. Was, I was expecting, you know, to go that dark. That's what I was expecting, too. And it's like they go out and they're like, okay, maybe I can't get this. Let but, me try and... But then again, maybe I should have expected, you know, to go completely opposite after Squid. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was the fifth story too. So the first one that was released after after the the initial run. So I still haven't like caught on to the fact that they're like, nope, fuck it, we're just abandoning this and and moving it to a, a visual novel booby game. So that one had the most tonal tonal whiplash because it, it's immediate that this character gets picked up by this all girl band and suddenly she she starts loving her life. And she even falls in love with a guy, and at least where I am in the story, they're in a stable dating relationship, which, good for them, you know? But also, like, what the fuck? So, that one was the big whiplash. And then each and every story gets more and more wacky beyond that. Everyone becomes mermaids, there's a secret underwater research lab that they're building to continue to do genetic experiments, and all kinds of craziness. So no, you always have to build your secret lab in a, a hollowed out volcano. Don't don't you <laughs> don't you realize this? Oh. So I I mean I do overall I enjoy the game because 
I mean, I do like my visual novels. I do like my my anime boobies. But I was really, even though it, it had its inconsistencies and it had its weirdness, I was going, huh, this game is using this odd universe to tell an interesting story about characters that have genuine problems, genuine psychological problems, and approaching this from an angle I've never seen before. And then they just abandon it. I, I think it's because of backlash from the community and they caved on their initial vision. Because if you go look at old forum posts from, you know, 2014, 2015, it's nothing but negative. Everyone is so pissed. Like, they're all like, oh, I thought this was, I mean, basically, oh, I thought this was just going to be an anime booby game. And there's like real story here. And then there's also the crowd of people that, it, I don't know, I don't want to just say like the conservative Christians, but. You know, that type of person. Yeah. They're just like, this is awful and terrible, and why would anyone want to play a game about this? It's sinful. And so I, I think they might have just caved and been like, fuck it, let's just go crazy. I mean, this. to be fair, I looked at this and thought, you know, it was going to be absolute shit. But then again, I wasn't there uh, you know, yelling at them for making it. It's uh, up to them. I'm not going to play yeah. it. So Yeah. So I, I don't know. I still have mixed feelings about it. I'm enjoying the schlocky silliness that it's become. And I think overall, I'm going to have sort of positive, fond memories of this. But it was really hard for me to keep playing after chapter, after the first, after the end of the fourth story, and then the fifth story. I was like, I don't know if I want to keep playing this. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it one more go. Let's see if they can pull it together, what they're going to do, you know. And they just went, they just leaned hard into it. And were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to go crazy. And... That was enough to save it because they just basically turned it into a schlocky, um, kink type game. Yeah, it turns out they hit so, your kink. As in, uh, hit, it's literally anything. They hit a lot of my kinks, good sir. A, a lot of them. So, yeah. Genderbender DNA Twister. A weird one, even for me. And what I said before still stands. It, you know, if you're if you really like schlocky anime games, just get past the first four chapters, and then you'll get into it, or the first four stories. Um, there's I haven't found a really good wiki for it, so you can't really just go read what's going on and then skip ahead. But just get through those first four chapters. Otherwise, it's a, it's a difficult sell to to most people. So, I, I intend to finish it this week. I think there's aliens. <laughs> I, At this I point, really it wouldn't surprise me. They, I mean, they've been dropping. They've had characters show up. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Either they're aliens or they're time travelers from the future. One of the two. Or hell, maybe both. They're they're time traveling aliens from England. (laughs) From future England. Yes, they arrive in a little blue box. Do you know that the the, the Uh, latest... That's why I was making the reference. Okay, yeah. The, the newest Doctor Who is a she. I haven't looked. I'm sure half of the internet exploded over that. I, I'm, I'm mostly just concerned about not the Doctor, but the fact that they changed uh, the entire back end of Doctor Who as well. So that could uh, lead to some interesting things for the next season or two. Cool. But I also, I I but also fell off of it because the uh, the quality of writing went way, way, way downhill. Yeah, I don't. I occasionally watch Doctor Who with my sister-in-law because she's a big Whovian. Although I haven't asked her how she feels about female Doctor Who yet. I should do that next time I talk to her. Yeah, so far there's just been the regeneration scene. There hasn't been an actual 
uh, uh, full episode with her. So yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll check it out eventually. It's just, I want to see just how they handle the, with the new show head. And I'm not talking about the doctor. I'm talking about the executive producer. That's more where uh, my uh, concern about things are. I see. All right. Well, that wraps up all the games that we played this week. Yeah. Uh, um, I can't wait to talk to you about the very ending of, of Gender Bender next week. Goody. Then moving on to our first news or discussion topic of the week, I guess, is the Steam bestsellers of 2017. Steam did this last year, too. They put up a list of, I think it was 100 games, the top 100 selling games. Yeah, they didn't mention what the percentages were this time around. Last time it was uh, the platinum were uh, the top whatever percentage uh, revenue generators. Gold was next. I'm not sure if it's the same. I didn't bother to go hunt it down, but it tends to be a fair division between the uh, the sets, so that's good enough. Yeah, we're not going to go through game by game, but we just figured we'd look at the list, see if we saw anything that was like weird or we were surprised by or how the fuck did this get here? <laughs> so I figure we'll just go category or, well, I get, yeah, they're categories. Yeah, well, tiers. Yeah, tiers. There you go. Tiers. So the the top tier is platinum. And there's 12 games yeah, in this I tier. I think, uh, uh, well, a surprise but not a surprise is Rocket League in this. Yeah, I would I would actually, expect it in the gold uh, area to be perfectly honest, but I guess the microtransactions in Rocket League is doing well enough, and Rocket League is kind of held stable on its player base as far as I can tell. Right. Also, I, did did you say it was just revenue, not copies? Yeah, sold? yeah. This is revenue. So DLC and uh, uh, like, well, in Rocket League's case, keys. Well, for example, Warframe's in this as free to play. Yeah. Which I'm pretty happy to see Warframe. Yeah. At the top of the list. Yeah, Warframe um, I would expect it also uh, in the, probably the gold range, but then again, Warframe is also usually in the top, uh, you know, I would say 10 or 15. Let's see, Rocket League is holding steady at uh, 29,000 right now. Is that uh, concurrence right that's now? That's concurrence right now. 24-hour peak is 50,000. All-time peak is 100,000. Yeah, so I mean, we never have a, an issue getting a game with Rocket League unless one of us is having network yeah. issues when we're playing. So. Yeah, Rocket League, it looks like it's been pretty stable for about the last year and a half. And the, I would say, I think it's fair to say between the 70,000 and 50,000 range. Yeah, usually it spikes whenever there's a big update or a holiday thing, and then it uh, slowly tapers back down. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised to see Divinity Original Sin 2 in the Platinum, and this would have to be sales. Yeah. As far as I know, there's no in-game monetization. And I mean, you know, we've talked about Divinity a lot, because we've got our Let's Play series. Yeah, in theory, at least, to just start up again. <laughs> One of us is always sick. We were going to record Sunday, but obviously you were sick, so... This time it wasn't my fault, yay! Hey, usually uh, it's my hey, fault. Hey, the broken clock uh, was wrong. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, that must have meant that Divinity sold a shitload of copies. Um, do you have Steam, uh, Steam Spy? Well, I've been bringing open, up Steam uh, Charts. I've been bringing up Steam Charts, but Steam Spy would be better for uh, Divinity at least. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, Divinity uh, did a lot better than I think a lot of people really realized. And that I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the, uh, the, well, at least the first Divinity. Uh I had my problems with it, particularly this four stealth section. I absolutely fucking hated it. 
but uh, and it has its own problems with uh, bugs. Let's see. Uh, according to this, uh, it has over a million sales. Granted, it was also That's... A, a Kickstarter game, so some of this is also Kickstarter money, but uh, a million copies. That's a lot for indie uh, CRPG. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a fully single-player EA Ubisoft Well, this game. is cooperative, so... Yeah, that's true, but you can play through it completely by yeah. yourself. But, yeah, I, I'm really surprised and pleased to see Divinity 2 up there. I think, and one day we'll, we'll get to One that. other uh, interesting one that I see on the Platinum is actually Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. I mean, that's um, really bounced back over the last, what, two years? Yeah. Well, I mean, they turned it around. Yeah. They... uh they made a whole bunch of changes to that game. They made it cheaper. They released the starter edition, so you can easily hop into the the uh, the multi. Well, I mean, the whole thing is multiplayer, but easily hop in as opposed to having to go the full price route. And I mean, that's really important for an esports game to have uh, a high player base. Yeah, let's put so, it this way: I'm looking at the Steam charts, and granted, it it never was really, I would say, destitute. It was still in the five uh. uh five-digit range, but it yeah. went f- overnight from 30-ish thousand. Uh, now, granted, this is Steam numbers, not full-player numbers, because this is a Uplay game. So that doesn't reflect its full-player base, because there's always the you know, handful of Uplay. It went from 30-ish thousand, 35,000 to nearly 100,000. Then it stabilized at about the 70-ish thousand range, uh, and it stayed there pretty much ever since. With uh, fluctuations, of course, but that's pretty stable. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they really turned it around, so good good for them. Um, I'm sad to see GTA Five here. <laughs> I know why it's here. It's mostly shark card yeah. purchases, I'm sure. Yeah, which just uh, buying them through Steam. So fucking disappointing. Which, uh, we'll get on disappointments later. I would say ARC is a, possibly a little disappointing, just with how they handled early access and releasing an expansion while it's in early access. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's definitely a surprise for me. I didn't realize ARK was still that popular. Because ARK, you know, released, with air quotes, into early access a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So, to see it still up there on that high I on mean, the list is, is surprising Well, it looks like me. it has server issues right now, but in the 24-hour peak, it's still hitting over 60,000. Yeah. But yeah, then again, I'd, that's I'd like... probably one of the more uh, stable and uh, popular survival uh, uh, survival sandbox games out there. Because all the other yeah. major survival sandbox games, look at you, H1Z1, it's gone pretty much full Battle Royale. Ghost Recon is yeah. probably another big surprise here. Because I've heard a lot of people just disparage that game. Uh, I've heard mixed things about it. Uh, who? Some One of our friends owns this. Is it Ghost Shark? No, Ghost Shark wants it. Uh, I, Demonic Soul on my friend's list owns this game. I thought I thought Ghost Shark did. Maybe did it have a free weekend? Uh, it had a uh, open beta at one point. So maybe that's but, but that's I on you play. Ghost Shark saying something about. Uh, it. Let's yeah. put it this way: a twenty-four hour peak is only five thousand with uh, current players about four thousand. So that's really low for a triple A game. Yeah, although it's not. Multiplayer only. Yeah, it, have the yeah, it has a component to it. Yeah, so. but to be honest, unless they change things after beta, the single player sucked. 
the AI for the, your squad mates was a fucking brain dead. No, I should take that back. Brain dead uh, implies that the thing had a brain to begin with. <laughs> uh, I wonder if the division's on the list. Ghost Shark was talking to me yesterday about the newest Yeah, well, well we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, let's head on to gold. We ended up talking about most of platinum, but uh, I think that's the yeah. big uh, uh, winners. Well, it is the big winners. Gold, big yeah. surprise seeing Shadow of War in this. I'm not surprised, but it makes me sad. Well, I would have expected a further tear down, to be honest, because just of all the controversies. But then again, uh, and also seeing I mean, it's for Lord Honor of the Rings. Here. Yeah, seeing for Honor here is surprising. Although it was massive on launch. Yeah, and then everyone went, "Oh, well, this isn't great." Yeah, let, let um, me get a current players and uh, a player base on for Honor because that would be interesting. Uh, for Honor has, well, it, well, its servers are offline as well, so some server issues going around today. Then again, there's also been some Intel, uh, chipset, chips and shenanigans, which I'm not, uh, knowledgeable enough to even begin to try to figure out. It's hitting about 3,000-ish on the 24-hour peak, with some severe swings on its, uh, player base, so, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, there's also the people who play on UPlay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is once again a UPlay game. So, yeah, I, I, I that, say, that's why I was rounding up to about three thousand. It's twenty eight hundred. So, I would say actually that microtransactions probably propped this one up. I mean, it yeah, did have a yeah, lot of sales on launch, but it also has microtransactions. Yeah, I forgot so. about the microtransactions. Let's see. According to this, owners on Steam is showing just over six hundred thousand with a uh, uh, error of. 25,000. That's a pretty small, relatively small margin of error, so I'd say that's reasonably accurate. Um, at the gold tier, Fallout 4, surprised to see that. Uh, in general, Fallout 4 is regarded as one of the worst of the modern Fallout titles. Um, some people say it struggle, or, you know, it's around the same as Fallout 3, uh, people generally regard New Vegas as the best of the more modern fallouts, but still surprised to see it at the gold tier. Uh, Maybe it's just one of those things. I would say it may have been propped up by its uh, microtransactions now. Are you talking about the... Creator Club. Creator Club? Creation yeah. Club? Isn't it uh, active in Fallout 4? Yes. I think Fallout 4 currently is the only game that the Creation Club is active in. They all have the Bethesda mod manager stuff built in mm-hmm. now, but... Unless it's got flipped on on Skyrim and I missed the update I thought for it. it did. Well, I mean, I'm, I know Skyrim's on the list further down, so we can. Uh, but oh, you could just search for yeah, it. Yeah, well, uh, whatever. Well, we'll do that when when we get to it. I would say another big surprise here is Total Warhammer or Total War Warhammer, as in the first one, not the second one. Yeah, uh, that implies maybe something. Uh, with the second one, or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, it released too late in the year, and this propped it up. That's an interesting one, though. But then again, it may have been DLC, because it has a fair amount of DLC for it. Some free, some not. Uh, I remember hearing a lot of good stuff about this one, the first mm-hmm. one, and that the second one had Yeah, the second one ties combination into it, of... doesn't it? Uh, or, or is going yeah. to, if we're... Uh, a bigger campaign, and the third one is going to tie into the first two for a full trilogy. 
Yeah, I've heard that the second one's gameplay was just as good as the first one. It had a bit of a rocky launch with bugs and performance issues, but that after a couple of patches, they got it working smoothly. So, yeah, it might just be it released too late towards the end of the year, yeah, or that, yeah, maybe that's people very possible. decided that now that the second one's out, they'd buy the first one. I think my biggest surprise in the gold tier is actually Stellaris, just because, uh, yeah, just because was, of its uh, genre. Because that's yeah. usually not a very popular genre. Yeah, 4X space games tend to be a bit more niche. But, it's let's see, estimated 1.5 to 1.6 million owners. I mean, that, about a, a 70,000 unit margin of error. But yeah, right, according to this, it's got 10,000 players right now. With a peak of 13,000 for I today. mean, that's a hell of a lot for that genre. Yeah, that's a ton for a 4x game so i mean stellaris has been on my wish list for a while now uh it didn't get cheap enough on the sale for me to buy uh, yeah. since i didn't have as much money to spend this go yeah, around same here but i mean one day i'm gonna pick this up i've heard nothing but good things about it for yeah well it also has a fair amount of dlc so uh, that may yeah. have propped it up as well but it has a pretty big install base so uh well well let's just go uh Highlight everything uh, since this is uh, th- this and the next tier are pretty small. Uh, since w- these are randomized, I'll just quickly say Elder Scrolls Online. Eh, uh, I would say probably uh, not a huge surprise, maybe at this tier. But then again, this also possibly ties into its uh, uh, subscription, uh, boosting it a bit since this is yeah, revenue. Well- well, it's not sub- it's not subscription based yeah, anymore. Yeah, but you can have you a subscription, once, or but... you can buy the actual currency through Steam, which could also be propping yeah. it up. It also had a big expansion uh, a few months yeah, ago, Morrowind, the Morrowind yeah. expansion. So that probably gave it a big boost too. Yeah, Armor Three, Warhammer. We talked about for Armor, Armor. We talked about Call of Duty uh, World War Two being in the gold tier, not the platinum tier. I think is a bit of a surprise. Well, the thing is, is that Call of Duty, all pretty historically, Call of Duty has sold very poorly on PC. It's much more of a console game, so I'm actually surprised to see it this high on the list for PC. I mean, it's got less than a million. Well, I think it's more Steam. Uh, my big surprise for it being this low is the fact that it went back to World War II and it hasn't seemed to help sales on PC. Then again, they also you know pulled the uh, loot crate things and all that and. Uh, yeah. Let's see. We talked about Shadow War. Uh, Dark Souls Three uh, being uh, this high still is a little bit of surprising. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really slipped. Uh, no, it's been out for almost a year now. I think it released last year in like April or May. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good nine, nine months, getting close to a year. Yeah, it's had uh, pretty good legs on it. Uh, Dear Automata. I would say this is a bit more niche, but not surprised that it's this high. Yeah. Yeah, Nier Automata was a big a big hit for the year. Uh, let's see, Civ 6, not a surprise that it's in this area. This was about where I expected it, to be honest. And I expect it to also yeah. be about this uh, ranking next year with its expansion coming out. Yeah. Uh, Fallout 4, we talked about. Assassin's Creed Origins, not a huge surprise that it's in this range. And Stellaris, we talked about. Yeah. And not really a lot to talk about in Assassin's Creed Origins, to be honest. Even though uh, another podcast I talked about, uh, uh, listened to, always talks about Assassin's Creed and the accent on the guy that, uh, uh, that talks about it, as 
uh, kind of morphed the title to Assassin's Creed Oranges. <laughs> I don't want to play that game. I don't know what it's about, but I want to play it. You just want ass oranges. Yeah, uh, I do. But then again, uh, th- there's a story that Gilbert Gottfried talks about that uh, is a completely different type of ass orange. hi <laughs> Oh, but uh, let's move on to silver. Yep. A- any surprises here? Uh, I would say uh, the staying power of TF2 is my uh, possibly biggest surprise. I haven't really looked at this list too in-depth yet. Uh, because this was, once again, based on revenue. So TF2 is here, and so is Path of Exile. Uh, Did you jump down to bronze? No. Th- I see Path of Exile. I- I I'm looking at silver. Too. Uh, look for Jingle and Inferno. Oh, okay. Remember, this is I didn't uh, see the little yeah, TF2 yeah, this is top. using uh, the uh, store badges, and that can be fucking annoying. Okay, I got you. All right, yep. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if I'm surprised to see Cuphead in the silver tier, as opposed to either bronze or sorry, as opposed to gold. I'm not sure if Cuphead would be a platinum, but I mean, Cuphead was the indie darling of the year. Yeah. Although, I mean, it still sold really well. And Steam isn't its primary platform, really. Uh, Xbox consoles, its primary platform. And it's still got uh, approximately 1.4 million sales on Steam. So, yeah. Maybe, man, well, well, maybe I'm well, not as surprised. Well, remember, this is revenue. Cuphead yeah, is one of the cheaper games on this list. Ah, uh, good point. Yeah, it's 20 bucks, and there's no microtransactions or further monetization. Uh, well, so, there's the soundtrack. That makes sense. Uh, okay. I, I actually didn't know you could buy. Oh, believe me, I've wishlisted that I after right playing it. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that, but that's um, still, uh, you know, soundtrack, assuming that you're not picking it up on sale, that's 30 bucks total. That's, uh, I would say the below the average of these games. Yeah. I mean, granted, I haven't sat down and done the math, but yeah, most of these games I would say are, are you know, 30 plus. So, yeah. Uh, I'm surprised to see Euro Truck here. Uh, and silver. I'm not really, just because of all the DLC, all the map packs, all the cosmetic DLC. It's really kept this game alive and allowed them to expand the content. So, right. I'm not really surprised to see it on this list. Silver, perhaps, maybe a bit of surprise. I would have expected it more on bronze. Uh, I think Rust is also a bit of a surprise here. Yeah. I mean, that Rust is a game that just fell off the map, and you don't hear really anybody talking about it. Yeah, the only thing I ever hear about Rust anymore is just memes and shitposting about dicks. Yeah. Which, to be honest, but, I would have expected that to be just Conan Exiles. Yeah. <laughs> also a surprise here, I think. It's Conan um, Exiles. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. Anything else here? Black Desert Online, I'm... It's like kind of sad to see because this is basically just a, a microtransaction machine. Yeah, it looked interesting um, whenever I first saw it, but <laughs> it did. And I actually bought it when it was on sale in the summer, and then I realized, oh, this is just a microtransaction machine because it's. I mean, it's basically. Um, oh shit! I suddenly forgot the name of the game. The Japanese uh, game where that you go and it's in. Or no. Yeah, and it's like ancient China. Not Silk Japan. Road? It's ancient China. What? Uh, Silk Road? I know that there no, was one called Silk Road that was a bunch of uh, uh, it's like microtransactions. An action And I do apologize for any coughs like that Jared million... misses, by the way. I'm still recovering. Yeah. 
There's like a million NPCs. I like these games. Why the fuck can't I remember the name of them? Is it Dynasty Warriors? Yeah, Dynasty Warriors. How did I forget Dynasty Warriors? I, I was like I was thinking you were uh, going for some sort of MMO, not Dynasty Warriors. No, this is this is MMO Dynasty Warriors. Is what this is. Um, and I mean, basically, what you're doing is just grinding. You go to these battlefields, kill hundreds, thousands of enemies, pick up tiny, tiny bits of loot, and you can only pick up one thing at a time. Uh. And and the way as you level up. You can you can pick up more than one thing at a time, but really the only way to to maximize it is to purchase pets from the store. Of course, because you can get you can get collector pets, and they'll go pick up items for you while you kill stuff. And that's one of the main things that you buy in the microtransaction store. So I was like, oh, this is neat for about three minutes, and then it hit me like, oh, that's this is what this game is. So I mean, if you really like Dynasty Warriors and Power Fantasy stuff, you. I, you, you might like it. I would say go uh, shoot things it. in Warframe. Yeah. Or, but, uh, or just so go anyways. slicey slicey. But anyway, I'm not surprised to see it here, but it makes me sad just because of what type of game it is. Uh, well, th- here's Warhammer 2. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, uh, when did that release? Uh, September, so it should have uh, been higher on the list. Maybe it's just it didn't drop below a knife, and since people were talking about it's basically more of the gameplay from the first one. People just went to the first one more. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. Uh, nice to see Resident Evil 7 here. I mean, I'm not into these types of games, but I recognize that Resident Evil 7 was both a return to form in the earlier Resident Evil games and also trying something new with the first-person and experience. I have to admit, I'm glad very people... annoying on how they have the store badge. <laughs> Resident Evil. Yeah. Evil. V-I-I. Yeah. I just noticed that. Nice. Uh, but yeah, nothing else here. Uh, War Thunder. Yeah, War Thunder was on there, I think in the bronze tier last year, maybe in the silver tier. But I mean, it's just a super popular free-to-play game. I'm not surprised to see it here. Yeah, but the fact that this uh, Steam is not its primary revenue source. Yeah. I mean, I think that's more the big thing. And there's really not a way to get uh, the currency. It's all the packs. I mean, yeah. that's the big thing. At least as far as I can tell, unless you could hook the wallet in. I haven't really played War, uh, War Thunder in a while. Uh, Sniper so, Elite? Is that a bit of, because, bit of a surprise this year? Uh, yeah, I, I guess Sniper Elite Force is a bit of a surprise, period. Um, I know that it was well received. Yeah, but once I again, guess it did, did come out last year, yeah, though. Yeah, and once again, it did, did kind of fall off the map. But it's still a $60 yeah. game. Yeah. Um,. We're seeing a lot yeah, of games there. Well, no, this released uh, February of 2017, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was an actual 2017 okay. release, so all of its revenue from all of its first-time sales would have been this year. Uh, all right. So, or this past year. So, bronze tier. I think first thing I see here is Wallpaper Engine. <laughs> yeah. Is this the only that... non-game on this list? I think so. That is just weird. Mine was farther down than my list because, you know, like you said, it randomizes them. But I saw that and I was like, that's not a game. But also, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's only four bucks. Mm-hmm. So I I guess a shitload of people must have bought that this year. Yeah. Huh. Did it come out? It came out in 2016. So. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Pleasant to see Elite Dangerous here. A lot of that was probably the wow. Horizon season pass sales. 
because Elite came to Steam in early 2015. Sorry, I was uh, I was looking at the wallpaper engine stats. Just over is- four million owners. Wow, good for them. Whoever made that, I suppose it must be a really handy, uh, easy to use tool. Well, it, it's mostly building animated wallpapers. It's huh? Yeah, it's uh, it's not what you think it is. Add to wish list. <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to buy that once I get some more funds in my Steam wallet. Just, I, that would just be a fun toy to play with. Uh, let's see. Yeah, of course, now it's just going to get completely lost in your wish list. But yeah, it allows, uh, just completely animated, uh, wallpapers. Just take a look at the, uh, uh, the video on Steam. Okay. Uh, but let's see. Um,. Uh, something uh, old like uh, Left 4 Dead 2 being on here is still a bit of a surprise. Uh, Hell, Skyrim being on uh, just in the bronze tier at this point is a bit of a surprise. Is it the enhanced uh, yeah, or whatever? The yeah, it's a special edition. Uh, well, okay. I don't think you can even buy the standard edition anymore. You're right. I don't think you can. For a little while, you could buy both. But now you can all buy this. It, okay. Factorio. I am surprised to see Factorio on here. Factorio is sort of just a little, I mean, it's the Energizer Bunny. It's the game that could. <laughs> it has, it's it's honestly, it's a lot like Kerbal in the sense that it just has had <clears throat> consistent sales numbers for years at this point. And it, it has never been on sale once. Yeah. It's been $20 since the start. Yeah. Uh, Stardew Valley, I think, is about the same thing. Even though it's had it's, had its release, uh, it's still hanging in this uh, top 100 list. Yeah. Sims 3. Uh, I bought The Sims 3 this past year. Uh, to be fair... Uh, but The uh, Sims has got a shitload of DLC. Yeah, and it's usually about the best way to try to even legally get The Sims is just to buy it on Steam because that's one of the few places that you can get a good chunk of the DLC on sale. Yep. No, here's the Energizer of Bonnie. You was talking about Factoria. Terraria being here. Oh, that's... Wow. That's at the bottom of my list, so that's why I haven't seen it yet. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, Terraria is a $10 game, so it's already below the average. And Terraria regularly goes on sale, doesn't yeah, it, for less than 5 bucks? I would say about less than 3 I don't, I'm on Firefox right now, so I don't have Steam Enhanced installed. I need to probably do that. Um, But let's... Let, holy fuck! What? Well, you thought Wallpaper Engine had a lot of, of owners. Oh, Jesus, this isn't $10 million. Yeah. With a, a margin of error of uh, 96,000. Yeah. That is a hell of a lot. Good for them. I mean, Terraria is a, a good game. We played it for a long time before we finally just got tired of smashing our heads against yeah, the wall. Yeah, well, to be fair, we probably <clears throat> uh, handled going to hard mode a little bit uh, poorly. We probably should have built up a bit. Yeah. Uh, The Division is on here. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I was pretty sure I saw it on here. I mean, The Division got turned around this year, too. They released a couple of big updates, changed a lot of stuff, fixed a lot of stuff. They did also... Did they introduce, or did they... I think this was the year that they... Or 2017 was when they put microtransactions in the game, which sucks. But, I mean, they did do a lot to change and fix and upgrade the game. And they rebuilt its player base from next to nothing to a, a relatively healthy healthy player base at server issues so i can't see the playing now but today's peak was at 
13 and a half thousand. And for the, for, uh, the division being. Yeah, it seems like all, uh, uh, Ubisoft stuff is just down right now. Do they, they have to have their own servers, or do they use the Amazon server? Whatever? Uh, well, it, it looks that, like everything that's, uh, could also just be bought, uh, straight off Uplay is down. Because we've, uh, we saw that with. They might be with, doing uh, maintenance. No, no, I looked whenever I saw, uh, for honors numbers were down. People were complaining about server crash. And, okay. and uh, the, the devs have, were looking into it. So this is a crash, not just maintenance. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what we've like kind of glossed over a couple of times, just do some Google searches for Intel. Was it Intel security breaches uh, or Intel CPU security breaches or something there's, like that? Uh, there's Spectre. There's uh uh, that's the AMD one, uh, which is not as bad, but there's been a severe security uh, flaw with Intel chips for the last oh, 20 years that they just figured out. Yeah, and the fix for it is killing performance for certain application types, and particularly the CPUs that are to, are used to run servers. Or virtual so, machines as well, some... because... Uh, uh, the only game that I've seen a lot of people complaining about uh, performance issues with the patch is Assassin's Creed Origins because it runs its DRM in a virtual machine <laughs> to try to prevent shenanigans. Well, alrighty then. But uh, yeah, it's it's really complicated, and I don't understand it. And I've even watched a couple of like ELIA five YouTube mm-hmm. videos, and I'm still not quite sure I understand it. So I'm not going to try and explain it. Just, yeah, that's why it's not on the docket it. this week. Yeah, or maybe ask Jim. Jim works in in tech. Yeah, Jim, uh, uh, explain us uh, what the fuck. As a matter of fact, we'll, I'm not we'll contact s- him afterwards. Yeah, I might ask him. Uh, I'm not gonna. What? I don't know how private he is, so I'm not gonna say where he works and stuff like that. But he, he does work in the tech field, so he might be able to explain it. Uh, but getting back to on topic, uh, right. RimWorld uh, still plugging along as well is also uh, pretty surprising. Uh, uh, yeah. Getting into the top 100, I should say. I mean, RimWorld's been pretty stable on its player base and slowly creeping up as it's going through early access, but it constantly hitting the top 100. Uh, a little disheartening yeah, to see is uh, NBA 2K18, though. Yeah, that microtransaction piece of shit. <laughs> um, I'm really happy to see Hellblade up yeah. here. I figured, I figured it would be. I was hoping it would be in silver. I didn't expect it to make gold because I was roughly aware of the numbers it did this year. But still, I'm glad to see a game like this making it into the the top 100 for the year. Yeah, I'm not sure Just if because I would it's really nice to playing see. it, but it, it, I think it's an important game that it exists. I'm going to try and play it this week so I can talk about it next week. I, I want to play Hellblade and The Long Dark before next week, but I suspect I'll only really get into one of them. But I'm, yeah, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to playing Hellblade, so... Glad to see that it made it. Yeah, Hellblade looked like it pulled right at three hundred thousand uh, sales, which isn't bad. Mm-mm, no, uh, Darkest uh, Dungeon still see. plugging along as well. I'm surprised to see Borderlands Two here. Uh, all the DLC it, has to be. I guess it's let's see. It released in 2012, yeah, so, so uh, it has to be one fuck. of the older things. But it has to be all the DLC. I mean, it has. $154.54 worth of DLC. Granted, that is doubling up some because the season pass would uh, cover some of this. It'll uh, There's a fair chunk of just cosmetic stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad game. It's just, I'm, yeah, burnt the hell out on it. And also, it's uh, bullet spongy as hell, so it's very frustrating. Yeah. Tales of Berseria, uh, JRPG. Surprising to see that in the top 100 when it's not a Final Fantasy mm-hmm. game. Uh, so that's good. I like I like JRPGs. How about uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 hanging on? Uh, Black Ops and Black Ops 2 are considered to be the best Call of Duty games in, well, in like the last... I don't know, five years or so. So I'm not entirely surprised to see it. It's also got a a fair chunk of DLC. So not totally surprised to see it there. But at the same time, just that is a bit interesting. Um, All right. How about about this? Wolfenstein being only in bronze or Wolfenstein 2? Not surprised. Actually, I'm a little bit surprised that it made the list. It was pretty heavily panned. Um, as for having a lot of problems over the first one. See, I didn't really pay attention to any of the criticism because I didn't play either. Well, I attempted to play the first one, but it just didn't like my processor. And yeah. so I refunded it and I just you know, put it on the shelf for later. Yeah, it kind of was like no things to no people. Um, I heard a lot of people. Uh, diffi- uh, well, I did hear Total Biscuit talking about how it was one of the more bland uh, landscapes. I think he was talking yeah. about that. Yeah, that's the thing. Most people, when it comes to story and the concept, most people say that they drop the ball on that. Also, the game has been regarded as being way too difficult on even the lower difficulties, um, which you know it has easy mode and things like that, but. They just didn't... A lot of people were like, God, this is way harder than the first one was for reasons that they couldn't explain. Um, so, yeah, it, it got a lot of criticism and not a lot of praise, so I'm kind of surprised to see it up here at all. All right, how about this one? Age of Empires 2 HD. Uh, I like Age of Empires. Yeah, but it being in the I top own- 100 for 2017... I think it had a really good sale when they announced that Age of Empires MMO, or not MMO, but the online something or other for Age of mm-hmm. Empires. It it went on sale and sold a shit ton of copies yeah, obviously. around E3. So I'm not surprised. I mean, 13 of my friends own it, so... But, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a bit of a surprise to see a remaster of an absolutely ancient game on this list. And then yeah. there's some early access stuff, you know, like... Uh, well, actually... No, oh wait, that's not early access anymore. Don't starve together being on this still. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got this this year. I think it was Ghost Shark that bought yeah, this for Yeah, I had Don't Starve Together because I originally got Don't Starve. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty fun to play as a group. I don't think I'd ever play it by myself, yeah, it's, but as a group. Yeah, it's definitely a... It feels a lot better as a group game. Bonnie of Isaac still hanging on uh, is a bit of a surprise. Because that's kind of fallen off it lately. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else really? Actually, Shadowverse CCG. I never even heard of this. Uh, Free to play uh, card game. Looks like it's some sort of sleeper hit, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe people wanting something. I, I don't see it on here. I'm sure it's on here and I'm just looking over it. Uh, it has a, a white haired person that it, you can't really tell male or female. Yo, anime? Well, I was, yeah, I was gonna say, like, does it look 
like uh, Hearthstone. Uh, I mean, it looks sort of Hearthstone. I mean, Hearthstone's pretty much become the gold standard for free-to-play uh, CCG, whether you want to or not. Oh, here it is. I found it. Uh, yeah, this oh. looks very Hearthstone. Yeah, it looks like anime so. Hearthstone. I mean, it has the yeah. sort of the general feel of Hearthstone. Uh, looks like, yeah. well, Grant owners doesn't really say anything because, yeah, it shows 1.3 million owners. Yeah. But then again, it also shows Katie is owning this, so. Yeah, she downloaded it a while back because she said it looked like Hearthstone. I was like, cool, well, I'll download that if you want to play it with me. But we haven't played How it. How about Gary's mod still hanging it. on after all these years? Uh, I... I've never really been tuned in to Gary's mod before. So well, originally it was more know. of just a sandbox, yeah, you know, build things and uh, you know some wacky game modes. But it seemed to really uh, resonate with some sort of weird of uh, role play crowd that's kept that game alive for all these years. I never really understood the whole role play thing. I have, or I do. I've done some role playing. Not that type it's of, of role playing, Jared. <laughs> well, that type of role playing is fun too. But no, it's it's a lot of fun. But you have to be careful, like not to go too overboard. Yeah. And then there's just a bunch of little niche stuff. Uh, okay, one last one for me is Friday the Thirteenth, the game, because when that originally released, it was absolutely panned. Yeah. And it's a forty dollar game, but then again, there's not many uh, asymmetric uh, multiplayer games out there. Yeah. So I've heard that, I mean, I'm not interested. I don't like horror things at all, but I heard that there was basically a huge fan base that like, oh my God, a Friday the 13th game, let's play this. And when playing it with the right group of people, I've heard also that it's amazing. Yeah. Most of people who really get into the spirit of Friday the 13th. Yeah, getting into the spirit of things or building their own stories. But then again, you could really say that about literally any multiplayer game. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. Then there's just these stuff like Train Simulator 2018. <laughs> I mean, that game has hundreds yeah. of dollars of DLC. Yeah, that's, so. yeah, that's definitely propped upon DLC. And we've ended up talking about pretty much all of these. So let's finish up with Astroneer. <laughs> pretty much the only I mean, thing we haven't talked about yet. Unless you want to talk about yeah. Football Manager. Astroneer, uh, no, when it first released in the early access, it was kind of this little darling, but quickly fell off when people realized there wasn't much content for it yet. Not really understanding the concept of early access, it seems. I mean, granted, I've been uh, guilty of saying this uh, game doesn't have any content uh, myself. Look at you, don't sink. But at the same time, there has to be some sort of balancing act. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, early access is such a double-edged sword when it comes to game design. You have to come out of the gate with at least something and for the for some games there's just nothing there and some of them they just send early access forever i'm not sure how uh, astroneer is going to pan out ever or the course of things it's an interesting concept though just uh wonder how it's going to uh, end up yeah i've had my eye on it for a while yeah. it's one of the games on my wish list that i you know have curated and i just keep an eye on it to see how development goes yeah i think uh for me, it's probably oxygen not included, but that's like 2D uh, rim world with uh, air physics. Yeah. Which is also on the list. Uh, so, I think we had a lot of discussion there. We did. We talked about way more of them than I thought we would. But that's okay. Let's move on to our next topic. 
topic for the show, the Steam Award winners of 2017. Yeah, so how do we want to handle this? Do we want to just talk about the winners, or do we want to talk about each subject in turn? Because there's some interesting choices here. Uh, And since Uh, we've already agreed to a long episode, why not, right? Well, I was going to say we can just talk about the winners, and if there's anything that stands out to you, we can talk more about it. But, I mean, a... Yeah, there's no reason we can't, so... If you want to go through each one a little more in depth, I'm fine with that. Well, look at it this way. I'm making up for not really talking last week, because I felt like I was very silent last week. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so fine. let's just I mean, go it comes and goes. in turn. Uh, the first award was The Choices Matter. I-, I think this is also the order that they were voted on. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. so uh, the choices matter was pretty much just any game that, uh, yeah, where the choices matter. I mean, it's right there on the 10. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. Sorry. Real quick. Uh, I don't know if you're looking at the page or not, but if you click on yeah, the, I'm, the uh, Yeah, link. I clicked on the link. I'm on the, uh, where it's showing okay. the other awards. Yeah, everything. Okay. I just didn't know if you were there or if you were just looking at their winners no, no. only. Uh, well, since I was going to talk about each one, I... I, I well, yeah, but you might have not seen the link or something. I just was making sure. Anyways, also for the listeners, if you want to go look at these, just click on the... Actually, we'll just put this one. Fuck doing the yeah. other one. I mean, this is a better one. This one is the link. I'll change it out while you talk. Okay, so the choice is better. Uh, it, uh, each one of these uh, categories has five games, and sometimes even all five make sense in the topic. Uh, the choice is better uh, came down to Divinity uh, Original Sin 2, Life is Strange Before the Storm, uh, The Witcher, Wild Hunt, Dishonored 2, and The Walking Dead, A New Frontier, which is the newest Walking Dead, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Also, in case anyone's unaware, the way that this was done was that there was a, a while where that you could vote for any game you wanted for a- each of the categories. Mm-hmm. And they picked the top five from the community vote and then put that out for a vote. And then you vote on those for the winner. Yeah. So some of them make sense, some of them don't. Yeah, and there's a few that's so. uh, kind of uh, joke uh, nominations that somehow got enough traction, which we'll get yeah. into that. But uh, The Witcher, uh, uh, well, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt uh, got the award for this one. Uh, any thoughts on this or uh, the uh, uh, the other nominees? I, I would say uh, probably Divinity Original Sin 2 would have been my choice. I can't recall what I voted for most of these on. It's, it says on there. It uh, says uh, your uh, vote, Divinity Original Sin 2, because I voted for Divinity Original well, Sin Well, this is incorrect because it's showing Alien Isol. Oh, never, never mind. I scrolled down. Yeah, my vote was uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Sorry. I, I, yeah. I uh, must have hit it as, uh, and not noticed the category change. Yeah, I voted for Divinity Original Sin 2. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think both don't these have... are uh, strong candidates, but I, Divinity Original Sin 2 has a, I, from everything I've heard, I haven't played either of these. Has a lot more choices that matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that every game in this category makes sense. Um, I, I'm not sure about uh, Life is Strange uh, Before the Storm because it kind of has to end at a particular point, doesn't it? Uh, I've I haven't played it. But I've listened to a spoiler cast about the entire game just because I knew I wasn't going to play it because voice actors changes and stuff. And while the actual ending of the story is obviously predetermined because it's a prequel, there's a lot of choices you can make along the way 
that can really change a lot of a lot of stuff on the side um and can actually have different outcomes for other characters than how they turned out in the original life is strange so you've got like a canon ending going into life the original life is strange but you can do a lot of different stuff plus it puts a lot of in story stuff in there like i won't i won't spoil anything um but there's quite a few things that you do that have multiple endings based on how well you do. So there's a lot of choices in there. It's just the main ending is predetermined because it's a prequel. So, I mean, I could understand how that one would be a little bit less just because ultimately you don't have the ultimate yeah. choice. But The Witcher makes sense to me, and it's one of the most popular games in the last couple of years, or one of the most popular RPGs in the last couple of years. So I see why that one won. Uh, so, Mom Spaghetti. Do, do you understand this topic? Or- it's a it's a reference to an Eminem song. Oh, so that's why I have no idea what the fuck this is. Yeah. So, basically, something um, they really like. Yeah, Eminem is one of the... Just for everyone's information, in case you want to know something else about me, Eminem is the only rapper that I like. Take that as you will. But for me, it's Weird Al. But yeah. There's there's a lot of... Diff- there's a two or three different ways to interpret... This award, uh, sort of like a game that hurts you, but you love it anyways, and then also just something that you love and find comfort in. Although it seems most people went with a game that hurts you, but you love anyway. Because, I mean, you got Resident Evil 7, Alien Isolation. All of them I didn't give a shit about, so I ended up just voting Alien Isolation. I mean, all of them except for PUBG are horror games. And then PUBG, I assume the joke is its performance is so bad that it hurts you, but you love it anyways. Or that's, it's just, or it's just absolute shit on a technical level. Yeah. So yeah, PUBG uh, won uh, with Resident Evil Seven, Alien Isolation, Outlast uh, Two, and The Evil Within Two. Which uh, yeah, I, I also yeah, voted for Alien. Yeah, Isolation. the only reason why I voted was Steam Card. Yeah, same. So and Alien Isolation was the game I was most familiar with out of all yeah, of those. So I just yeah, same that. here. So moving on, the Labor of Love Award. The this game has been out for a while. The uh, team is well past its first unveiling of the creative baby, but being the good parents they are, these devs continue to nurture and support their creation. This game to this day is still getting new content after all these years. And let's see, we have Path of Exile, Crusader Kings, Team Fortress Two, Warframe, and Titan Quest Anniversary Edition. Yep, and Warframe was the winner. I voted for Warframe. Yeah, I mean, uh, they just had a, a huge update, so it's hard to really uh, argue against them. Uh, Path of Exile, Path of Exile is, had yeah, a really I big was about update to say, this year, They too. had a pretty sizable update. Team Fortress 2, I could also see, they also had a very big update, but they also went a, a year and a half before the previous update. And they've also, well, let's put it this way. I loaded up TF2 and I started looking around and just saw how far the, down the rabbit hole they went on the microtransactions. Uh, the cancer has spread from uh, Counter-Strike. It, it, it's uh, really put me off on that game, trying it again. So I'm very tempted to just cash out all my cosmetics. <laughs> Which yeah. I never really spent much money in uh, TF2, but I ended up just uh, queuing them after a while, so. So let's see. Yep. Uh, suspension of disbelief. Uh, Saints Row Four. Uh, South Park: The Fractured Butthole. Rocket League. Goat Simulator and Wolfenstein Two. Um, I don't. 
I mean, I guess the, every game in this list makes yeah, sense, uh, but at the yeah, same Rocket time, League I feel like a couple winner. of them. Yeah, I, I voted for Rocket League. I voted for uh, in uh, my mind, uh, South Park: The Fractured Hole because the game is literally about a suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, because they're kids pretending. Uh, I since I've except for Fractured Butthole, I played every game. Well, actually, I didn't play Wolfenstein Two either, but I played the first Wolfenstein. Well, the you know what I mean. Anyways, Rocket League just made the most sense to me because it's you know car soccer, two things that seem believable. Car uh, Rocket Car Soccer together. Yeah, I don't know. I I think every I mean you know every game fit in this category. I just went with Rocket League. Yeah, honestly, I would have. Right. I would have expected something like Just Cause it, uh, around here. I mean, that's a game series powered by suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I mean, popular. I mean, I vote, guess so. uh, Go to Simulator kind of uh, sits on that uh, that line, but eh. let's see. The world is grim enough. Let's just get along. Games delight and entertain us, giving us much needed breaks from all the sorrow and uh, low points of our lives. Let's be honest, there's a lot of people that, uh, for a lot of people, it's been rough, uh, a rough 2017. That's why the, uh, uh, Steam uh, Award something, uh, SASC, has chosen to celebrate a game that doesn't involve combat or conflict. Right. I I think people didn't understand this award. Yeah. Because, well, 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 let's go through all the nominees first. Uh, Stardew Valley won this with To the Moon. Uh, uh, City Skylines, Abzu, and uh, Slime Rancher uh, getting uh, nods. Stardew Valley has combat. It's not one of the yeah, main focuses yeah, but, uh, of the yeah, but game, it has combat. but it does have it. I mean, granted, you can skip it. To the Moon, how is that not fucking grim? To the Moon is... It will just make you sob. So, I mean, it does have a teeny tiny bit of combat, too. Yeah, technically, but... Teeny uh, tiny. It, yeah, uh, it's in that probably the worst section of the game, but uh, just even the story itself, uh, the world is grim enough. Uh, so, uh, yeah, to the main story, uh, that's not fucking grim. I mean, uh, I don't really know Abzu all that well. So- Abzu is basically sort of an art project type game where you're underwater and you just explore underwater. Uh, I voted for Abzu because as far as I know, there's no combat or anything in Abzu. You're just exploring and collecting sort of like screenshots and samples to complete a collection. It's very beautiful and super relaxing. Yeah, I was, I, I was tempted to vote Abzu. I did vote Stardew Valley. I mean, I, I, yes, I realize I, I, I'm going against myself, but Slime Rancher is also a little dark whenever you think about it. You're uh, capturing slimes and force breeding them. <laughs> Yeah, Slime Rancher also has a quite a fair bit of combat in it. I mean, it's all cartoony and stuff, but there's monster slimes that you have to kill, and the slimes can, like, if you breed your slimes wrong, they can go crazy and they'll attack you. And uh, It's all cutesy, but... In City Skylines, uh, that technically doesn't have co- combat in it, but uh, if you don't have uh, certain mods installed, uh, you will be fighting in that game. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I... I mean, I by default, sure to vote for City Skylines then, but... Ugh. Yeah, I don't understand Slime Rancher on there, but I suppose... Maybe. I think what people said was, in general, what games, like, relaxed me and helped me zone out. And all five of these games... Well, four of them. <laughs> two of them I don't understand. 
I don't understand To the Moon at all. It's a beautiful, lovely story, but God, it pulls your heart out and just punches it a lot. So I don't find that relaxing. Maybe it's just the soundtrack. Yeah, maybe. Maybe people love the soundtrack so much. I mean, I do, but I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, that's. Um, this is probably the well, uh, maybe the, another one uh, further down, but this is one that just made me scratch my head. I mean, I ended up voting Stardew yeah. Valley just because it's the one I. Well, I it was. It would be between To the Moon and Stardew Valley for the one I do the best. And Stardew Valley, even though it didn't really fit the theme, still seemed like the best one outside of well, now knowing about Abzu, but I didn't play it. So uh, moving yeah. along. Yep, the No Apologies Award. This award is for the game that you love unconditionally. Does it have some faults? Maybe. Do other people not understand your love for it? Sure. But make no mistake, there is no guilt here. <laughs> Only pleasure. Uh, I wish they'd have called it the Guilty Pleasure Award, yeah. but I understand why they did Yeah, didn't. the uh, 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 the nominees are The Witcher, uh, the Enhanced Edition. This is the first Witcher game. Yeah, I suppose the the guilty pleasure in that is that that game just plays like dog uh, shit. Supposedly, it gets a lot better once you get past the swamp. I never got past the swamp. Uh, nope. Not in my opinion. I have beat the the original Witcher a long time ago. I bought it on actual disc. Um, maybe back in 2008, 2009? This is before I had Steam. And I beat the game. And it does not play any better, in my opinion. Well, uh, well, said, Although, maybe they made well, some improvements I've heard, uh, in the enhanced story edition. story picks up. Oh, the story picks up, yeah, but the gameplay itself is garbage all the way through. Uh, let's see, Mountain Blade uh, Warband, which is definitely rough, but I wouldn't say it's so bad to be, uh, no apologies. Rust, Honey Pop, and... I should know which game I voted <laughs> and for. And Gothic uh, 2 Gold Edition. I actually voted for Honey Pop as well. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, going on the okay, more uh, guilty pleasure, even though I haven't really sat down and played it yet. Even though... Oh, it's so I would good. Say, oh, my. I, I would say, it, time-wise, I've spent more time with uh, Mountain Blade. Or most of yeah, I, I might... Uh, but Witcher won this one, so... I mean, I, I guess I could see that with it being uh, kind of rough, but... Uh, just a couple head-scratchers here. Yeah. So, defies definition. This game is like... Well, actually, it's more similar to picture combination of, you know what? I can't describe it. Just play it. Uh, the nominees are Pony Island, Antichamber, Doki Doki Literature Club, Gary's Mod, and the Stanley Parable, with the winner being Gary's Mod. Yeah, I don't understand Gary's Mod as the winner for yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't a sandbox. Think that's the, I don't think that goes with the spirit of the category. It's, this one just felt like a popularity yeah. thing to me. I was between Pony Island and Doki Doki Literature Club. Ultimately, I voted for Doki Doki, but Pony Island is the is the same. Like it completely transforms, just like Doki Doki does. I just I haven't played Pony Island, so ultimately that's why I went, I went with Doki Stanley Doki. Parable. Stanley Parable was in consideration for a little bit, but yeah, uh, maybe uh, Gary's Bod is more. Uh, there's so many different game modes for it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just like, well, but isn't Gary's Mod like a tool to do mods? Well, yeah, but it's also a game with lots of games Or you could sit in a theater with a bunch of uh, other people and watch YouTube videos. There's That's actually yeah. a game mode in Gary's Mod. Okay. Maybe this fits the category a little bit better than I first realized. Just I, I mean, there, I mean, there, I mean, there is, a sh- or at least when I last played, a shit ton of different um, 
uh, different mods or different uh, game modes. Matter of fact, one of the old servers I used to go to would have a uh, movie night where they would load up the theater mode and play uh, movies. <laughs> As in, uh, uh, like, old 80s and 90s movies. There, there used to be a feature like that for Netflix on Xbox, but that feature's been gone for years, which is really sad. It was a lot of fun to just watch movies with my friends. Uh, maybe like we that. should uh, send Gary's bot out to a bunch of uh, VGO people and try to do that sometime. That would be so cool. We could have movie night. Oh, Uh-oh. we should do that. Gary's mod goes super cheap. Next time it's on sale for a couple of bucks. Wait, no, it's only like four bucks. Let's let's go look at this. Oh shit! Did I just create a thing? Okay, it's ten bucks. It, I've seen it on sale before though for like two or three bucks. Next next Steam sale. I'm. I think I'm gonna buy this for. Well, let's put. Well, let's put it this way. It. Uh, on my. It looks yeah, like most of our friends have it. Six of my friends have this. Let's see, go spaceman, Jimmy Jam. Why do I have a feeling I just looks started like, a thing? Uh, it looks like all of our regulars have it, so it's just me who needs it. And then uh, movie night. Uh, uh, if if you guys want to do movie night, let me know. <laughs> I'll spend ten bucks on it instead of waiting it for it for the next sale, and we can do movie night. Instead I just sold you on this like game, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, we can do that for community stuff sometimes too. It's movie night. Awesome. Way to go. Okay, anyways. <laughs> maybe, next maybe next award. Uh, description is good for this game. Yeah. <laughs> next award. Cry Havoc and Let Slip the Dogs of War. And I'm very sad that there were no Star Trek games on here. <laughs> um, the Bard said it best. This game doesn't necessarily offer the biggest explosions. It offers something better. Potential. Potential to be a rampaging force of nature or not. Who knows? You're an agent of chaos and I was going to tell you what to do. Uh, the games in this one were Shadow, uh, Middle Earth Shadow the first of War. One. Uh, uh, I just wanted to clarify. No, this is oh, oh sorry, is second, second one. one. Yeah, Shadows sorry. of Mordor was the first one. Uh, Total War Warhammer Two, Just Cause Three, Broforce, and Red Faction Guerrilla. Yeah, which uh, Just Cause Three won this, which I don't have a problem with that. I- I've actually voted for Warhammer myself because you could also do this pretty much the same thing in that. Yeah, I, I voted for Just Cause Three because it made the most sense to me for this category. Yeah, for some reason, well, I, maybe it's just a confusion on the different uh, names, you know, Mordor, War, you know, they rhyme in my yeah. head, uh, just uh, uh, kind of blocks out the fact that Shadow of War tra- uh, exists, or tries to, so it's like, oh, Shadow of, yeah. oh, well, okay, it's that. So, so, the Haunts My Dreams, this award is a slight misnomer, because this game doesn't just haunt your dreams, it consumes your thoughts every waking moment of the day. This game doesn't demand your time. You give it willingly. I think I know your vote for this one. <laughs> Probably. So the uh, <laughs> nominees are uh, Counter-Strike Go, uh, Civ 6, Dota 2, Dark Souls 3, and Factorio. Let, let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, you voted Factorio. You would be correct. There was not even a second of hesitation with those nominations. I went for Yeah, Warrior. granted, mine's more of, a, uh, of just a, for its uh, predecessor, but for Civ Six on this one. Yeah. Uh, did you say that Counter-Strike yeah, won? Uh, well, I was about to say Counter-Strike won this one, which I guess I could understand that because people go absolutely batshit about that game, but that's more the skin comedy. Uh, oh, I, I hate the fact that well, uh, not just uh, 
Counter-Strike, but Team Fortress 2 has turned into just money-making schemes for people. Yeah. Uh, okay, next award, Soul of Vitruvius. The Vitruvian Man was Leonardo's celebration of the ideal form, and in that spirit, the SASC looks to celebrate the game with the most lovingly rendered character, be it human, alien, anthropomorphic cat people, or even a piece of produce. Uh, the nominees were Near Autonoma, Hellblade, Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, I Am Bread, and Bayonetta. Can you guess the joke nomination here? <laughs> yep, it's definitely I Am Bread. No, no, it was uh, Bayonetta. Uh, really? no, uh, no, I'm joking. Okay, I thought you might have read something somewhere or something. Pretty much nothing surprises me on on the internet anymore. Anyways, I voted for Nier Automata. Uh, out of all the games on the uh, list, I thought that one was the most beautiful, both in terms of artistic design and the way that the game actually mine looks. Mine for Hellblade. Yeah, I was close between Hellblade and Well, Nier, I, it's just but... uh, I was more familiar with Hellblade over uh, Nier. But the winner yeah, was Bayonetta. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Bayonetta was also a thought of mine. Uh, graphically, you know, graphic fidelity is, is lower just because it's an older game. But Bayonetta's got some gorgeous set pieces and beautiful art design to it. So yeah, I, I can see why people Yeah, I just that. have to wonder what YouTuber community started the whole uh, I am bred to vote for this. Who but, knows? Probably because they said a piece of produce. Someone was like, let's put I am bread up there. Uh, at times I really hate the internet. Sometimes, yeah. So, whoa, dude, 2.0, dude. Uh, the Academy wasn't clear enough in the award description last time. Let's try uh, this again. The award is for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas of video games. But you're also ex- you know, expecting people to watch that movie. Grant, I haven't watched that movie, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Fear and Loathing one time when I was in college, and I didn't understand it then, and I don't think I would understand it now. So, I just, I mean, I voted for something originally to, for a nomination. Or I nominated something originally, I don't remember what I did. And then when I voted, I voted for Hotline Miami uh, I went with Antichamber. Uh, but, uh, the other nominees were Luma, or sorry, Luna. Uh, CPU Invaders, and the winner was The Evil Within 2, which, fine. Yeah, I'm not really sure I know what this award is. Someone... I, I mean, I mean, basically it me. sounds like uh, Drug Trip, uh, the video game, but I, I don't know. So, yeah. best soundtrack. How about something we do know? Yep, best soundtrack. There are... I'm not going to read the description. You know what the hell best soundtrack yeah, yeah, is. Uh, yeah, 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 mix were... the uh, best ear noises. Yeah. Nominees were Nier Automata, Undertale, Cuphead, Transistor, and Crypt of the Necrodancer. With Cuphead winning it. Which, yep, Cuphead Which, won. I don't really have a problem with it. There were some people throwing their shit because Nier Automata didn't win. I think the reason why Cuphead uh, got so much traction, not just because it was such the ending darling in the year, but there was two games on this list. Well, okay, three games, but one is a rhythm game, and that may not count. That really has their soundtrack as the centerpiece. Cuphead, Transistor for some tracks, primarily its themes, and uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. So I think that would uh, kind of lean it towards those without uh, yeah, a huge push on the other side. Yeah, well, Undertale maybe. Undertale's got a couple of songs in it that are extremely meaningful for the context of the game. 
Um, but if you haven't played it or watched a Let's Play, I mean, you just wouldn't understand. Yeah, see, I haven't. I've avoided not, uh, Undertale. They're not in and of themselves great songs. I mean, they're they're not bad, but they require the context of the game for them to really have an impact. And then Nier Automata, I have heard its soundtrack, and it's pretty good. I don't know why people are up in arms, but I also haven't played Nier Automata, so maybe there's something in there that I just am not aware of. Well, but yeah, I mean, uh, Cuphead. Here, I thought you had uh, been all over that game. I mean, uh, you know, ass the game, right? I mean, I'm really interested in it. It looks really good, not just the asses and stuff, but well, especially I mean, you the know, asses. I don't, I don't buy very many new games. I buy like one or two a year, um, sometimes three, but I usually just wait for stuff for like this to go on sale. Yeah, plus, well, you're starting to get in my position where you have a backlog long enough that... I have so many games that I haven't played. I'm like, I could buy new games, or I could just play some of the other games that I have, and then when it's time to buy new games, they'll be even cheaper. Well, let's put it this way. I'm at the point now where I can't uh, go to my game list without the browser actually freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It actually calls it an error in Firefox. It's like, uh, the webpage uh, stopped, dude. Uh, boss, what do you want me to do about this? <laughs> uh, so the final award, even better than I expected. And I think that one's pretty yeah. self-explanatory, too. Yeah, nominees were Call of Duty, World War II, Sonic Mania, Assassin's Creed Origins, and not Oranges, uh, Hollow Knight, <laughs> and with the winner being Cuphead once again. Cuphead is the only game that won two awards. I mean, yeah. I mean that's that's really telling for Cuphead. I mean, I both nominated Cuphead for even better than I expected and then voted for it. I was blown yeah, away think, by how good Cuphead was this yeah, year. I, think Cuphead, I mean, we gave it um, our Game of the Year yeah, award. I think Cuphead was my nomination as well and then was my vote. Uh, maybe if I played uh, Sonic Mania. I did pick Apollo Knight in the sale and uh, that's going to be a probably a series upcoming. I've heard really good things about Hollow Knight. It's not my type of game, but from what I've heard about it, it seems like a good game that just doesn't interest me. But then again, I said that about, you know, I don't think Cuphead will interest me. I'm mostly attracted to the art style, and I actually really like the game itself. Yeah, I've been uh, itching for another Metroidvania, and Hollow Knight was on sale for about how much I had uh, left my Steam Wallet, or how much my Steam Wallet regenerated to, I should say. Yeah, the only other game on this, on the nominees that I could see... Was Sonic Mania, uh, and yeah, Sonic and has got were, such yeah. a low bar nowadays yeah. after just years of garbage games that a lot of people were like, "Wow, this is really good," and I wasn't expecting it to be good. So, I mean, literally the spirit of the award. But yeah, true. Uh, but then again, this wasn't made by <laughs> Team Sonic. Yeah, it was made by the. This was made by a fan the, group. Some fan, yeah, yeah fan group. So, so, so in a way, it's. Also, against the spirit of the award. Is it just me, or does Team Sonic seem to be... They really want to make games other than Sonic the Hedgehog, but can't get away from Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, probably. Probably. Alright, well, those are all the Steam Award winners of 2017. I suppose we'll be back here next year if they continue to do the Steam Awards. I hope so. Mm -hmm. It's fun. I like doing it. Plus free trading cards. Yeah, woo! Uh, moving on to our next news topic, Lawbreakers publishers have written it off, and they blame PUBG for that. <laughs> in a in a nutshell, what they're saying is that they released it up against PUBG, and PUBG was so powerful or so popular, it cannibalized their entire 
market. Never mind the fact audience. that they uh, Lawbreakers, I think, is going to be a case study on absolute fuck up for tree because they really couldn't understand what they wanted to be. They released as both a hero shooter and an arena shooter. They had a rather unique movement system that they didn't explain at all and had uh, people in the beta not know what the hell was going on. And let's be honest, in modern betas, that is your final marketing push for the most part. There are times that that's not the case, but for this one, it was. It was a marketing thing. And they also had some severe balancing issues in the beta that they didn't fix, supposedly. That that one is uh, just third party, you know, the people talking about it. I didn't play the beta. I, I think I got into it, but I just didn't download it. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, I, I could guarantee a small, a small percentage of their potential sales went to PUBG. But I'm talking like less than 10%, maybe even less than 5%, just because it was like... The overlap where there would be, and the people you know who can only afford a few games a year, it's like, oh, all my friends have gotten this PUBG thing. Well, I was going to get Lawbreakers, but I guess I'll get PUBG so I can play with my friends, or whatever. I, I would say that's mostly where any of those lost sales went, but I mean, they're not the same genre of games. Like, overall, you could say, yeah, they're you know, they're, they're shooter games, but... Yeah, they got guns. Other than that, they're vastly well, different genres. Well, also, Lawbreakers so, yeah, there's, was sure, there's some overlap as a free-to-play game. Yeah, and then they said that they didn't want to go with the free-to-play model. They wanted to just sell a premium product, but it was multiplayer only, so they were only going to charge, what was it, $30? Yeah, only $30. for it. Um, And then they did the digital deluxe version with DLC as well that, you know, and uh, let's be perfectly honest, I'm sure more than a few people were put off by Cliffy B. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, in a, overall, I like Cliffy, but he has got an abrasive personality. And he's one of those people that just doesn't give a fuck. And I mean, he's got some clout. You know, he's a, a, a personality. He's, well, he's well, up he, there he, with the status of how some filmmakers are in, in, in the film industry. You know, he's a, a known entity that some, you know, a, a large quantity of lay people would have heard of. Um, you know, not massive, but. Uh, more average gamers would have heard of him as opposed to, I don't know, someone more obscure. I'm not exactly the best example to come up with because one, I suck at remembering names, and two, being an enthusiast, I would know more. But Sean Murray? you get what I'm saying. He's, yeah, no, I'd say a lot of people know about Sean Murray though because of him being in the public eye. <laughs> um, you know, I would compare Cliff Bozinski to. Just in terms of name recognition, someone like Quentin Tarantino, known you know known among more regular people than just enthusiasts, but not like super well known, you know, something like that. But anyways, he does have actually he has kind of the same similar personality Quentin Tarantino, where they're just like fuck you and fuck this, I'll do whatever I want. So maybe that is a good comparison. But anyways, yeah, he does have an abrasive personality, but. I don't even know what I was talking about before. I got so distracted. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but Just like how most people forgot about Lawbreakers. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, did it really have any marketing push whatsoever? Not really. Aside from some stuff at E3, um, and I think some YouTube ads. Other than that, I don't think I saw any marketing anywhere. 
I mean, granted, I'm not a good uh, source for be able to say if there's marketing or not, because I typically run with Adblock on these days for good reason, because ads tend to be uh, the huge vector for um, viruses these days. Yeah, I mean, I use Adblocker too, and also I'm a YouTube Red subscriber, but, uh, you know, just I see stuff about it, hear stuff about it. I listen to so many podcasts and browse so much news. I just, like, hear people talking about it, or I guess read people talking mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, I mean, they didn't have great marketing. Didn't have a lot of marketing, anyways. So yeah, um, uh, hang on. When did this release? August seventh. So I'm trying to find their uh, release day numbers on here. Oh, that is pitiful. Uh, their release day was uh, just over a thousand. It looks like. Yeah. Uh, so. No, they were up at the three thousand mark, but they quit quickly went under a thousand and never got above it. Yeah, and pretty much I, I mean, think a thousand is pretty much the uh, the emergency mode. Do something. Yeah. So I mean, to some extent, yeah, sure. PUBG would have stolen some of your potential customers, but it's not PUBG's fault. Yeah, not by a long yeah, shot. I think they're just trying to find a scapegoat on this one. And yeah. uh, was it uh, was it Cliffy B that was trying to say that? Uh, don't uh, pay attention to the Steam chart that uh, the uh, the concurrent numbers uh, don't mean anything. Yeah, I um, think because of its console release, didn't it? Didn't it release on console? Yeah, but this doesn't have cross uh, play. Yeah, I know, but I think that's what he was saying. Like, oh, we've got a strong community on on consoles, so ignore the Steam numbers. But yeah, which uh, yeah, that just. Uh, kind of really <laughs> rubs uh, PC players the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing anyone uh, talk about the ste- about the player numbers on uh, console. Well, outside of Cliffy B, of course, but uh, with him having that attitude, fuck him. Yeah. So, moving on to our next news topic. Homeland Security rolls out a virtual school shooter in quotes game to teachers. Yeah, this is um, interesting. And actually, a little sad that this has to exist. Yeah. Also, the the ha- the the headline is a little bit misleading. Mm-hmm. I feel like it makes it seem like they're just like showing this thing to teachers. Yeah, but this, this is, is actually a, a law enforcement training tool yeah. that has existed for a while, and they've just recently, if I understood this correctly, added the school shooting. Uh, yeah, th- th- yeah, this is, yeah, this is, yeah, this, yeah, this is meant to train law enforcement and, uh, really to allow, uh, school districts to essentially go through their, well, doomsday scenario, for lack of a better term, uh, to, yeah. uh, to try out, uh, you know, how various things work. Yeah. Um, this isn't going to, right uh, bat- this isn't going to be released to the general public, at least I hope not, because you imagine the outcry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right off the bat, Ghost Shark, I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on this, because uh, being ex-military, I know that the military uses, uh, ha- or has used video game training tools before, I particularly with, like, simulations and stuff for tank and aircraft, ta- uh, tanks and aircraft, but they had the, what was it called, America's Army? Yeah, well, that was a recruiting a few, tool. A decade ago, and I've heard about other stuff, too, in the past, so just... I don't know if you have any experience with this. I know that, if I remember correctly, you served in the 90s, so maybe that was before then. But if you do have any thoughts or experience, I'd love to hear from you this this coming week about that. 
Um, but my, my thoughts on this, there have been proven studies done on using video games as part of the training process, and they are effective um, to an extent. I mean, this, so uh, this isn't hands, a, a replacement for real-world exercises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not. But, I mean, I'm, I'm on, on the one hand, I'm glad to see that it's being used as a training tool. I'm glad to see that they have this option to... Um, just use this as part of the training and it's good to see video games doing good things in like a really public manner like this mm-hmm. just because i get so tired of hearing about all of the how video games are terrible and cause violence and all that bullshit or, that we know not true. or other things that's happened recently that well we actually left off the docket this time yeah um but uh you know, on the one hand, I'm happy to see this uh, just become a part of, or, you know, a useful tool for training. On the other hand, I'm with you. Like, it sucks that this has to be something that they're actively trained in. Yeah. I, 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 boy, this uh, this may cause some uh, big political backlash, but there needs to be something addressed with just the number of school shootings and the prevalence of gun violence in the country to begin with. I'm not calling for a gun ban or anything like that. But at the same time, there has to be some study in this. And the problem is that the studies have been blocked time and time again by the gun lobbyists. Yeah. I mean, I I am a gun owner. I also have a concealed carry license for my state. And both a gun and the license are incredibly easy to get. Um, I'm in favor of stronger gun control law in the states see i'm not sure so, where i fall exactly on gun control itself because i haven't really considered it that much well i mean i mean I, I, you know gun I, control I, 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 people don't need assault rifles yeah i mean gun control won't solve all of your problems but i mean there have been studies in other countries that show that stronger gun control laws help reduce uh violent crime yeah the, just because it's a lot harder to kill i mean guns are make it super easy to commit violent crimes. Yeah, the pro- yes, you can do it with knives and other things, but... Yeah, the yeah. problem with the U.S. is that, the well, for lack of a better term, the genie's been out of the bottle for so long that there are so many guns out there that, yeah, yeah. just saying, okay, no more guns, that's, that's not going to work for the U.S. There's way too many out yeah. there now. Yeah, but, I mean, if we had... if Man, we are way... Going way off. <laughs> yeah, I, and we're going very political. And I have a feeling yeah. that this could uh, spark some <laughs> listener feedback as well. But, if we're not very uh, careful, possibly angry one. Uh, but I, I just don't know where I sit on this. There, uh, yeah. there needs to be something done, but I'm not one to say, do something and not uh, understand it. Uh, I want more, well, I shouldn't say more studies. I want studies done about it and have the lobbyists stop blocking the studies to be able to try to help the issue yeah yeah i agree more studies and more action but i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon in the states yeah i can't imagine why i've had rather lengthy conversations with some of our uh european listeners about (laughs) guns in the united states and it's very difficult to talk about just because of the huge difference between our cultures and view on firearms so how crazy do they think we are really crazy <laughs> i mean the fact um, that it is literally in our defining documents for our uh, uh, government yeah yeah and just in case anybody's wondering i am a responsible safe gun owner i have a gun safe yeah you only shoot um, in the air I once have, a year 
Yeah, only on the 4th of July <laughs> when all Americans go out and shoot their guns wildly in the air. Wait, I thought it was uh, uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, well, yeah, both. New Year's is, or sorry, 4th of July is everywhere. New Year's is only in the South. Oh. Well, I guess but, then I am in the South. Huh, not about that. No, I, I, keep, I keep all of my guns properly maintained and put away. I always did, even before I had a kid. But, uh, like, I make double sure on everything now that I have a kid. But it's just, I mean, if anyone wants to talk to me about it, whether you're American or not, you want to talk to me about my views on firearms and gun control and all that jazz, feel free to message me on Steam or Twitter or whatever. I'm happy to talk about that, among other things. So it's just this is a really complex topic to discuss in the United States for many reasons. Yeah. Despite the fact that the answer seems obvious. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those topics that also is very partisan in uh, politics. That and you really think it wouldn't be uh, uh, just in a vacuum. Yeah, but uh, U.S. politics is just fucking weird. U.S. politics is always weird, even more so when Republicans are in charge, especially right now. Uh, but I don't want to be. Yeah, but at least we have a stable genius. Oh, fuck. Let's not get started on that. Let's not get started on that. We've already done enough politics for now. So let's move on to our next news topic, something that will also make us sad. EA is looking into EOMM, which stands for Engagement Optimized Matchmaking Algorithms, to promote games as service. Uh, I I saw this originally come up on a young gay video probably the better part of a week ago. And... Uh, it, it's not surprising to be honest because it's EA. Yeah, on in in a vacuum, this doesn't sound so bad because basically what it does is it um, dynamically adjusts your multiplayer difficulty based on a short running history of how your games have been. So if you lose a bunch of games, it'll say, "Hey, this player's not as good, or they're having a bad day." So, based on all of the matchmaking statistics we've collected, let's match them with players that are a little bit worse so they have a better chance to win. And then the, the inverse is true. If you're just, like, killing it, it bumps you up to the next level. It, yeah, and in theory, in a, at least, because... Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a vacuum, that's not such a bad idea. Single-player games especially have done this for a while. There's lots of games that will dynamically adjust the difficulties you go. XCOM is a good example. If you're just getting really shit luck and you're not playing on uh, classic difficulty um the game's like okay they've had some really bad luck the last few shots so i'm just gonna bump up that percentage chance to hit and it does that until you score a hit and then it resets back to default so you know that helps make you feel like you're gonna get that lucky shot or you know like you're getting a lucky break and so you keep playing and there's lots and lots and lots of single player games that do stuff like that yeah but the problem is that this is multiplayer and also this is ea ea who have been, for many years, but especially this last year, really just fucking with everything to try and get people to spend money on microtransactions. So the big fear that... I, I've only seen the Jim Sterling video. Uh, uh, it's uh, actually highlighted in the Young Gay video. One of the factors that they bring up in the in one of the papers that they wrote includes microtransactions. Right. Because, of course, it fucking does. Yep. And that it comes all the way back around to the Activision <laughs> patent that uh, popped up, what was it, three months ago now? Four months? 
Yeah, something like that. Where they were thinking about toying with their matchmaking to try to essentially show off the whales to the minnows. To try yeah, to, to turn uh, pairs and or sorry, players into pairs. Yep. So the idea that they could use this to further manipulate matchmaking to try and increase your likelihood to buy microtransactions by putting newer players more purposely into games where people have spent money to acquire better gear would make them go, oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to compete unless I buy some stuff. So let me buy some stuff. Yo, see, uh, if I was in a situation where I hit lack, it's uninstall time. Yeah. I really don't understand this mentality of, well, I'm really underpowered and I'm not going to be able to catch up. I better throw 50 bucks into this game. Uh, is it this, is it the sunk cost fallacy or is it something else? Uh, well, the sunk cost fallacy only applies if you feel like you've spent enough time that you have to keep going. Well, uh, you know, them saying, if you've uh, only played it th- th- for th- a few hours. Well, them saying, well, I've already played this for, let's say, uh, four or five hours. I'm past the point of refund and I've already, uh, sunk, uh, $60 into this to buy the game uh, outright. Does it become sunk cost to be able to say, well, you know, maybe if I put uh, 10 bucks in, I'll get lucky on a card draw. Yeah, that could qualify for sunk cost. Um, In that case, it would be more already money invested as opposed to time invested. Mm -hmm. Because even for a lot of people who are strapped for time to play video games, um, I mean, this is all anecdotal stuff I've read and talked to people about. But usually it started to really go against uh, the uh, time skip (laughs) pay uh, uh, microtransactions. Yeah, but usually it, it takes more than a couple, three, four hours to really feel invested time-wise into a game. So I would say it would be more money spent in that case, but yeah, that would be sunk cost fallacy quite literally. Because um, I've already spent this money on this game, I can't get it back. I guess I'll spend a little bit more so I can get to that next level or be able to compete or whatever. Yeah, this is why <laughs> I ended up dropping Hearthstone is that I didn't uh, play enough uh- I realize a different type of game, and uh, but there's been problems with Hearthstone's matchmaking as well, where there's been just some absolutely absurd screenshots I've seen lately of uh, people coming up against veterans with, uh, you know, epics, legendaries, with people that you know, are just starting playing. And Hearthstone has to have some of the worst, if not the absolute worst, uh, new player experience I've seen in a game. Yeah, unless they've really changed it. I mean, it's been at least a year and a half since I played it. I've last played it, uh, well, I played a little bit of the dungeon stuff when Cobalts uh, or Cobalts uh, and Goblins or whatever, uh, the uh, December expansion came out just to see what they were doing. So I played it fairly recently and I realized that there's way, 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 way too much for me to ever hope to catch up to do full matchmaking so it's either the very small a single player component that they finally put into the game or the weekly tavern brawl which half the time you have to build a deck for anyway and guess what you don't have the cards well uh, that's a week you're not going to be doing the tavern brawl and the tavern brawl isn't even a good catch-up mechanic because it gives the original set of cards and not the new set so the only way to get the new set is to go into full matchmaking to get the gold. 
Yep, Hearthstone. I think that's why they just like kicked out a bunch of the cards now, and they do like that. Yeah, which thing. really makes me want to spend uh, money in the game to <laughs> uh, to have all my cards to be literally worthless, unless I go to the just the wild, you know, the every uh, anything goes uh, ranked or uh, unranked, yeah. I should say. Uh, Arsenal, I think, has had uh, a huge power creep problem uh, that they oh, yeah. that they ha- that they haven't addressed at all. Their their solution was uh, more cards and throw out some. Yeah, definitely. So we got off topic again from the EA thing. Yeah, how about that? Um, do we have really any more to say about it at this point? I mean, it's uh, th- this is I don't still, trust uh, EA yeah. to use this in the way that it should be used. I don't trust them at all. So, I mean, this is just another example of industry bullshit right now. Yeah, this is uh well, industry bullshit using tools that otherwise could have been useful. Granted, I still kind of miss the old dedicated servers, you know, and having certain servers building up a, a community. Yeah. Created sometimes things got a little wacky and if you wanted to have a serious game that isn't the best way to do it, but at the same time, uh, matchmaking has seemed to be this huge experiment uh, that's come over from consoles, to be perfectly honest. That well, Okay, here's a question for you. What is the game that's done matchmaking the best? Because I can't really think of one that's done a great matchmaking. There's always been some sort of issue. Either just not um, in the population, uh, it being too streaky, which granted this may be the way to uh, try to alleviate that. I don't know. Halo 2. In Halo 2, for the matchmaking for the game, you had a level that built up as you you won. Um, and, I mean, it would drop if you lost too many games, but usually you would stabilize so basically a visible what ELO. your level is. Yeah. Yep. And they were from... It was from 1 to 50, and you had that ranking for every single game mode. So, in, in case you were better, for example, at objective-based modes than just straight up uh, deathmatch modes, you wouldn't have either of your ranks affect each other. Yeah, I think League of Legends uh, does pretty much the same thing. Only problem is that, you know, then you hit people that are intentionally griefing and and you're dealing with another problem with matchmaking. You did have that happen, but back in the day, Bungie was really good about targeting those people and punishing them uh, for doing so. Yeah, I have a question now, this is going to sound like me being a jackass, but I mean this seriously. Bungie back in the day actually sounded like a good developer. What happened? <laughs> they got bought by Microsoft. Oh. Wait, no, no, they didn't. Microsoft bought the parts of Bungie that they could, and everyone else left. Ah, okay. Now it makes sense. Great. Uh, was it really a console player at that point? And last time I played a shooter or a console it was GoldenEye yeah and let's be honest uh, a long time ago and let's be honest GoldenEye back in the day was fun with friends but overall it was kind of shit and especially if you had uh, one little asshole that would always take odd job because odd job was the perfect height to not get shot and you'd have to aim yeah um so yeah that's the stuff about EA. Yeah, yeah. What what is it with EA just being the absolute worst lately? Are are they trying to get another year of being the worst company in the Americas? I don't know. Maybe. I 
They've got some stiff competition, though. Yeah, but sorry, but the U.S. government doesn't count as a, a business, no matter what people try to think. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> what can I say? I enjoy poking you. All right, so on to our next and final topic, news topic, that is, or, well, this one is not a news topic. This was selected by one of our Patreon donators, patrons. subscribers, patrons, uh, Cube. We sent him some topics because he was donating at what level is it? Uh, the $20 level. The $20 level, so he gets to pick topics for the yeah, show. Yeah, uh, Technically yeah. only one topic, but we took a while to do it, so we let him pick two, so he'll have another topic in the next week or two. Yeah, and we've had but a communication topic- error, so we're uh, throwing him an extra bone. Indeed. So this topic is... I shouldn't have ended that sentence with is because the topic starts with is. Is Steam too powerful? Uh, can you please I think define it by is. saying is like four times? Is is is, is Steam too powerful? I wish you didn't this is say an idea ISIS. that we. I This is a, a topic that we put on the list a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I put ago. this. Uh, I would say early 2016. I mean, uh, this was originally from a news article proposing that Steam is bitten off pretty much a, a, a near monopoly of the gaming industry on PC. And it's been something that we've been kicking around on the general topics list for a while. And when uh, Cube's uh, choices came up, we uh, picked that as a possibility for him. Because it's an interesting one. Uh, especially uh, in the last couple years since that article's come out because oh boy, Steam has also kind of done some interesting things lately (laughs) yeah so steam was and still is the dominant pc marketplace the dominant pc game store i would love to see uh, sales numbers of steam versus all the other major retailers because uh, even if you count the other major uh, digital distributors well for one none of them really are multi-publisher or multi-developer they're all well, I should say the other main three. You know, you have uh, uh, BlizzNet. Origin. Uh, oh, Blizzard. BattleNet. BattleNet, which technically, I guess, is multi now because of Activision. You know, that cancer's taking over. You play an Origin. Yeah. So that's uh, the major three. Outside of Yeah, Steam. well, BattleNet has always been its own thing. I'm not really sure. I mean, they are competition to Steam, but... Blizzard has always been off in its own little corner doing its Blizzard own thing. Blizzard is pretty much the Nintendo PC. Yeah. So, but definitely Origin and Uplay. And they're also... And I would say own, GOG. Yeah, which the problem with that, you can't really... Well, okay. Well, sorry. I, uh, for some reason, I was thinking Green Man Gaming as kind of, uh, of where he was going with that. GOG, I guess, is uh, building up, but it's still not there yet. They do have their client now. I would say GOG is the biggest direct competitor to Steam, just because it's essentially Steam. Yeah, sorry. I, I, but... I was thinking, you know, a, a realtor that was uh, giving Steam keys for some reason. Uh, I, no. I, I blanked for a moment. Uh, what can I say? I'm, I was, I'm still a sick man. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I mean, GOG is the biggest direct competitor yeah, to Steam, still, because they are much. another digital storefront. Th- th- but, yeah. There are different... Uh, they're a different focus, really. Yes, they do have more recent games, but their major focus is still, uh, well, I guess technically retro. Yeah. I mean, they are so, slowly becoming more 
uh, uh, recent in their releases and getting releases a lot sooner, but they're, they're also doing some odd things themselves. I mean, they've, uh, blocked some, uh, game that, well, have you seen the, uh, article going around about them blocking, uh, Magnus Opum? No. Okay. Well, they blocked a puzzle game, uh, uh, Zachtronics puzzle game and, uh, really didn't give a reason about why. Just saying that it didn't fit, uh, with their style. Which, okay, good. They are, uh, curating, but at the same time, they're, uh, kicking out a known publisher that they've had, or a known developer that they've dealt with before. I mean, granted, this is kind of the flip side of what we've been calling Steam for, uh, doing to curate their damn market. Yeah. But it's also, you know, this is a known person, uh, to you, and, uh, a fairly well-respected, uh, puzzle developer. I mean, I would rather them curate than not, though. Yeah, true, but it's just kind of, uh, they didn't explain what was going on. If they, if they came out and said, we didn't think the game would sell well enough, fine. But, yeah, just marketing speak saying, eh, or, uh, I say, I should say corporate speak saying, yeah, well, it doesn't really gel with our storefront, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's a different, uh, side of things as well. Yeah. But Steam uh, um, has been curating, but they've been doing odd things. They've been striking down uh, games with duty, unless it's, you know, a popular enough or big enough game. Because, you know, they definitely won't get against The Witcher. Yeah. I feel like in the past year, Steam has shot themselves in the foot, and we're waiting to see if they recover, or if, or if they're going to leave themselves... In crippled a little bit i'm not i'm not saying that steam is gonna go under in the next year i'm not even, no. not by a long shot would that happen uh, unless something really yeah. crazy something happens, has to go catastrophic but, has but to, with, gaiman has to die and then his successor just goes absolutely batshit insane that that's the only way steam direct the only way steam would go under in under a year Steam Direct has been a big fucking mistake for a lot of reasons, but this year, I'm just reading news articles, <laughs> listening to people come on podcasts and interviews and things. The A lot of developers are saying that Steam has become way too oversaturated. This was already a problem back in 2016. Steam was already becoming too oversaturated but direct has just opened the floodgates you know opened up yeah opened the floodgates and a lot of developers are saying you know we don't want to go on steam anymore well, because there's no way we're going to get discovered and they're looking for new platforms yeah the problem well, well the problem with steam direct is not that it opened the floodgates but there's no way to deal with it because their steam's primary ways to deal with their uh, their glut of uh, games is Tags and reviews, both of which are often used as jokes. I mean, yeah, because go, they're not properly to, curated, and anybody can do go it. to psychological horror tag and tell me how many of those actually belong there. That, that, I know from memory, there's like a few Barbie games on there, and it's Some constantly like that. If uh, something by some miracle gets enough reports to uh, get knocked off. It's just replaced with something else. It, uh, it's just a joke over and over and over again. Granted, they are trying to clean up their reviews, but they haven't touched the tag system, I think, since they've uh, put it in. Yeah, I don't think so. I think really early this year, or maybe even last year. Well, I'm still thinking in 2017 mindset. Sometime in 2017, I think earlier in the year, was when they 
announced all of like their big changes for the next couple of years. And I think tags were included, but they were in like the roadmap for way down the road. Yeah, so maybe eventually, but at the same time, there's well, Jared, go to our. Uh, this is going to be a teaser for the next VGO Awards. There, you're you're loving this already, aren't you? Yeah, you're out. Okay, uh, we have an upcoming award uh, this now this year for proof Steam Direct was a mistake, and I've already been populating my list of candidates, Jared. Go look at my candidates. Okay. Oh, shit. It's on the Discovery queue list, which is also a, another top, uh, another uh, potential award. <laughs> I've got to... I'm, I'm vamp. I'm navigating my way there. But yeah, it's just... Well, there's no quality control. There's no way to sort things. There's just so much absolute shit. And the problem is that there's no competitor to Steam or big enough competitor to make a difference that, you know, Steam has to worry right now. Are, are you still trying to... I've I've added so much stuff to my list. Okay, here we go. I, I just need to save this uh, to one of my bookmarks. Yeah, I was about to just send you the link. All right, I put it in my VGL bookmarks folder. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I have, what, half a dozen here? And this is from one week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, you got a few. But this is uh, about one week of uh, me going through Keybail or looking for review codes to cover uh, on the Sunday sampler. Uh, some of these I'm familiar with. Yeah, some of the, uh, and I know some of the later ones are uh, uh, newer ones. The first two are ones that I thought of immediately, and then beyond that, I know the f- I know the first three right off the bat. <coughs> oh, you're allergic. Oh. Indeed. Hopefully that wasn't too loud. <laughs> Although if it's loud, it's easier to spot on the... Yeah, yeah. we apologize for all the coughing and hacking and uh, various other noises. I'll do my best, but I'm only one man. Well, anyways... Uh, I could um, make a fat joke here. <laughs> I'm only two men. <laughs> I have lost some weight. But yeah, Steam Direct was shooting itself in the foot because all of these indie devs and smaller developers are looking for new platforms to publish on um, while all the shit just piles up everywhere. And And a platform like GOG or Desura or itch.io might get a few of these darlings, which could be something that uh, really increases their platform. Yeah, Yeah, I've been looking at uh, watching itch.io after Steam Direct and they've been getting some older, uh, you know, uh, indie darlings uh, lately. They're still not. They're still drowning in shit themselves, but they are improving. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Steam has got other competition too. Most, well, not most, but several of the major, you know, the biggest publishers have taken their new games off of Steam entirely um, to build their own uh, on platforms. St- yeah, or in the case of Ubisoft, every game you buy on Steam. It just goes to the U, uh, to Uplay. Yeah. Anyways, like you open it in Steam and it just opens Uplay. So they're really trying to push their own platform. Yeah, assuming, of course, uh, Ubisoft survives their hostile takeover, which I think is still uh, ongoing. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of someone trying to fight off like a dog that's uh, just gnawing on their leg. They're trying to shake it off, yeah. but it's just still uh, on there, blood's everywhere. 
There's horrible screaming, uh, something in French. Microsoft, too, is trying to claw back some of its PC marketplace. They've got on their roadmap for Xbox for the the next year or two some improvements to the Windows Store, which I'll believe it when I see it. But oh, the, you know, the, I mean, the Windows Store start, is even worse. <laughs> if they start aggressively targeting the PC marketplace as opposed to just doing this whole... Yeah, we're Microsoft. Get a get a game anywhere, but probably on Xbox. Like if they really start aggressively targeting the PC marketplace, they Microsoft or Microsoft Windows, the Windows platform, particularly eight and ten, now have the largest share of operating systems on the market. So they could take a chunk out of it. I don't know. Yeah, which I've we'll uh, see, looked but... at uh, the Windows Store actually recently because I was looking for a setting and uh, opened up the Windows Store in my uh, computer and. Oh, the Windows Store is still full of mobile shit. It is, but uh, admittedly, they have made a few improvements over the last year, both in terms of how it looks, and it's a bit easier to find things now. Mm, It's still not good. I'm not, you know, it's not good, but it has made some improvements. Um, So, who knows? Yeah, it just seems like uh, Steam can't decide what they want to do because they want to open up the floodgates, but at the same time, you know, uh, bump off anything that is even remotely controversial. Yeah. And you can't really have Steam, it both ways. Yeah, Steam is still in this big state of complacency because even though they have had some of their market share carved out between all of the major publishers going their own way and competition from GOG as they continue to grow, I mean, Steam has still got, I would say, probably it minimum 85% of the market, maybe more. Um, but at least that. So they're going... Eh. Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll do a little here and a little there so everybody doesn't like lose their mind. Yeah, their uh, occasional up- update and uh, improvement, but never really is a, a huge step forward. It's always seems like it's maybe a step sideways. Like they're also trying to push the curity system just to... Uh, try to sort all the garbage. So they're trying to get volunteers to do everything, but there's no real incentive and there's no pushing towards that system to begin with. Yeah. Uh, even with what's the inter- curator update. What's interesting to think about, and I don't know how any law would apply to this. Maybe Kyle could talk about this next week. Um, if this was a brick and mortar style or type of business, I think they have enough market share to be considered a monopoly. Which would require, you know, government intervention to come in. I mean, some, you know, the sort of thing that happened with, what was it, AT&T yeah. or Bell South? Um, Actually, it wasn't a Where both. they come in and, uh, maybe, where that the, you know, U.S. government came in and broke them up into a bunch of subsidiaries to increase competition. And eventually AT&T has bought all of them back, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that's so, legal. Yeah. But, you know, that has happened before. That's happened several times throughout at least American history. I'm not familiar with other you know, countries' business histories, but I'm sure it's happened elsewhere, too. So, you know, if this was a physical property, I'm almost 100% sure that government intervention would come in and split them up. Yeah, Gaben would have had us thinking about now. Because they're all digital. It also might be because they're not a publicly traded company. Yeah, that might be part yeah, of it, that, too. That is a good point. Uh, because Co- Valve is able to be complicit because they don't have to worry about shareholders. And it does make me wonder what the future is going to be because Gaben's not going to live forever. Uh, yeah, eventually they will sell out or they will go out of business. That's, you know, 
that's just what will, would happen. That always happens. Every company ever sells out. Or every company always either sells out or goes out of business. <clears throat> but there's also so. the flip side of uh, their monopoly is that there's a lot of games that the only place to get them is on Steam. Yeah. I mean, there's you buy it on Humble Bundle. You buy it on Dream Man Gaming. You buy it you know, wherever. You buy it on Amazon. And in some cases, you literally get just a Steam key. Or was it the latest Call of Duty uh, for PC? You got a cardboard CD with a Steam key printed on it. Yeah. Or um, uh, or then... other games there's been. The CD literally just had a Steam installer and you got a Steam key. Yeah. So. So, so we're in a weird uh, crossroads here where... Steam has this just lion's share of the of the PC community, and unless, well, GOG, like you said, is probably the best uh, competitor. With I'm not sure if I would really put Desura uh, uh, as a competitor on the indie front, just because of Desura's recent history of kind of going tits up and then coming back from the dead, and there's a there's a trust issue there. But I'm blanking on really what else would really stand out. Itch.io, maybe, but once again, you also have almost this Steam Direct problem there where there's a lot of trash to sort, but there's no real way to really get away from Steam, even if you want to. Granted, a lot of gamers like the fact that they could get most of their library on Steam. I mean, I've been there myself. It's a little bit cumbersome whenever you have well let's see I would if I were to try to uh, combine my entire library in one view on my uh, computer it would be I would say six different launchers and that's probably being conservative six different libraries because I have stuff on itch.io I have stuff on uh, I have stuff on steam or so I've been told I have stuff on Uplay. I have stuff on uh, on Origin. I have uh, stuff on uh, Blizzard. I have stuff on Desura. I mean, that's seven right there that I can think of off the top of my head. So, yeah. It, uh, so, people tend to gravitate towards whatever they have the most of or what they have the greatest assortment uh, to choose from. And Steam has been that. I mean, if you ask, I would say... A hundred gamers. Where's the uh, most of uh, your uh, PC library? You're either going to get a lot of people same physical, which that'd be more the retro crowd these days because there's not really the uh, the physical games anyway, or Steam. There's no way to get around it unless you're a very niche gamer. Yeah, going back to the multiple launchers thing, I, I don't have quite as many as you, but I think I have five different launchers installed on my PC right now, and that does not include launchers for single games only, because for some reason every game has to have a launcher yeah, now. Uh, I wasn't even counting that. I was talking about pure library. Yeah. I think I have I have GOG. I have, uh, I have GOG. Um, I have uh, Uplay. I have Steam installed. Origin, Uplay, Steam. I have Origin installed. So that, that's four. I I have four. Because I don't have, I don't have the um, Desura launcher installed. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if they've uh, re uh, released that. I know Desura had a problem where they actually went bankrupt for a while and were completely offline, and I didn't even realize that they came back until like two or three weeks ago. 
but yeah, there's just, and, uh, HIO doesn't even have a, a, a Steam like launcher as far as I know. It's just all their website, which I uh, tend not to trust the uh, smaller websites like that. And HIO is probably at the point where it could be trusted at least somewhat, but then again, Desura disappeared, so it's tough to really say these days. Yeah, I'm trying to find see if I can find some numbers, and it's really sketchy because since Steam's not or since Valve's not publicly traded, they don't have to release yeah. any of this stuff. Yeah, and why would but, they? Honestly, yeah, estimates put it. Uh, just like, paraphrasing some stuff that I've been reading while we were just talking. Um, estimates put it at roughly 75% of the entire PC gaming market worldwide. And for the entire games industry in 2015, it made up 15% of all. Uh, well, remember, consoles is also share. a lot bigger than PC in general. Yeah, but I mean, that's when, you know, I mean, 15% of all of the gaming market in 2015, and then the estimate 75% yeah, of all PC Yeah, gaming. and consider this most MMOs aren't on Steam or have only recently gone on Steam. I mean, hell, World of Warcraft is not on Steam at all. And that's yeah. one of the big uh, players. League of Legends is not on Steam at all. And that would be its own launcher as well. So there you go for with that other one. Uh, uh, Smite only recently got on uh, uh, Steam uh, in the last year or so. So uh, probably a little bit longer than that. But that's uh, third place in the MOBA market. And of course, Dota 2 is naturally on Steam. I mean, it's Valve's baby. So yeah, the you have number one, uh, or at least last I've heard, if not number one, one of the top contenders in the Western MMO market and the top, uh, uh, well, MOBA in the market, non-Steam, and it's still not really putting a dent in Steam's percentage. Yeah, looks like Valve is currently under investigation by the European Commission for Anti-Competitive Practices. Hmm. <laughs> Because Europe actually has laws regarding this stuff. Well, this also c- comes back <laughs> around to the U.S. typically lacks lags very b- far behind technology. Yeah. I mean, that's not really <laughs> something that could be done unless you put in lawmakers that are more hip to technology. And the problem is that U.S. lawmakers tend to get into office and stay there, so you know, they become old fossils and eventually just die. Yep. I mean, hell, my state senator for ages uh, was one person, uh, or, well, I should say one of my state senators uh, and uh, towards the end of his political career, he was the oldest state senator or one of the oldest in the (laughs) out there. And he was hugely out of touch and had more than a touch of dementia as far as I could tell. Yep. For me, it's Senator Bob Corker. <laughs> He's been up on Capitol here for here? <laughs> Capitol Hill for, oh God, 20 years now, give or take. So, yeah, more sadness. Anyways, back to video games. Is Valve, I mean, well, do you have anywhere else you want to go uh, with this before we sort of final thoughts? I, I do think, uh, well, uh, to answer the question, is Steam too powerful? I think yes to a degree, but also no because it's a vacuum and it's just, you know, fallen to Valve because there's been no other competitor. They were really the first ones out there in the digital front. Yeah. I don't think they were the first, but they were one of the first. 
and they they really pushed their market share with Half-Life 2 because it required Steam to run and they've went through their teething period they went through all the rough spots before digital distribution was so much of a thing and yes people absolutely hated Steam for a very long time because of all the rough times and it was pretty much like how Origin and Uplay is these days where it was just Valve stuff but then Valve started letting other people in and it just exploded. And it's tough to really compete against that, really. Yeah. If, you know, if we'd actually answered this a couple of years ago, or if I'd been asked this question in 2014, 2015, I would have said, yeah, I think Steam actually is because it doesn't have any competition. And, you know, in general, its competition still is unable to truly compete with Steam at its level. But I think that Valve's and Steam's market dominance has done what pretty much always happens to to companies that are on top. They get complacent. And in doing so, they have lost some of their market share and are spurring competition to, well, compete with them. Sorry. Steam is still incredibly convenient and has the biggest library of games to access. But aside from the convenience, the library of games is really starting to hurt them because it becomes impossible to find anything that's not AAA massive thing. Or indie darling. More often than not. Yeah. It either has to be AAA or I would say in the top... 10% 10% of the cream of the crop on Andy before you, after you get that, then it starts to become this quagmire. Yeah. So they have a lot of power. They have a lot of market influence and obviously a lot of market share, but I think that they've hit their tipping point where that either they have to really follow through on some of the stuff that they said about curation and really putting some time and effort into fixing some of the problems or they're going to start to see their market share drop off even farther. And it's going to be a, a, a long process, and they might have time to fix it in the future. You know, it will be probably unless, you know, like I said, something crazy happens in the market, or there's some kind of disaster with Valve. Um, it'll take them and Seattle just becomes a, a smoldering ruin. Yeah. But it, it'll take them two or three years probably before we see any super serious changes in terms of market share. But it'll happen. It'll get there. And for Valve, one day they'll be on top, and then the next day they'll be, well, maybe not on the bottom, but definitely not on top anymore. Someone will pass them because Valve. Are you saying a game will become a bottom? (laughs) He might. Who knows? But yeah, I think it. Well, there's also another side of this that we should probably talk about very briefly. Is not just uh, as a distributor, but also as a trend maker or a force for game design particularly uh, how they handled loot crates and have uh, put this uh, steam marketplace just out uh, in the wild i mean grand we may be a little hypocritical here because we both uh, sell steam trading cards that uh, we get but at the same time it's definitely had an impact on just how games are designed yeah. That, that, that's another side of it, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't think, I don't know, I don't feel hypocritical about that. I mean, I, <laughs> well, I was just uh, thinking about that, uh, yeah, bringing that up as I'm running a 
uh, farm bot to uh, auto off the games that actually that's the one you gave me for Christmas. <laughs> nice. So talk about timing there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, selling the uh, cards, but uh, it's not just the cards. Granted, the cards do fuel some of the Steam Direct trash uh, through just uh, actually a, a somewhat ingenious system as well. Whenever you sit down and really think about it, where they abuse the fact that uh, developers are able to generate just massive amounts of keys for giveaways and build up these just uh, training card farm bots and become, uh, yeah, get this sort of constant flow of cards. It's actually uh, quite amazing whenever you think about it, but uh, just the fact that cosmetics have gotten to such a point where they're tradable and as sellable items that uh, games are building their entire economies and their entire gameplay structures around it. I mean, hell, just look at uh, PUBG as a perfect example of this. Yeah. And it just, it's another facet of the question that we really need to consider. And because of the tools available, uh, the ease of use of them, and just the captive market. Because, like I said before, a good chunk of my games I have, I could not get anywhere else. Literally. So... In that case, maybe yes. All right. <laughs> I, I don't. I. I mean, I, I. I posed my final thoughts, not to say that I'm not like. I just don't have anything else to add. Uh, at this well, point. I was wanting to approach it as a as a t- sort of a two pronged uh, thing because Steam is not just a digital distributor; it's also a service. Right. I, and I would say, as a, a game developer, they're not much of a game developer anymore. Yeah, they seem to be entering the phase of game development where they pass off their license to other developers. Yeah, and, and some of them I just said, uh, scratch my head, is like, this is it, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm still uh, looking forward to that Half-Life Battle Royale game. Yee, woo! <clears throat> or whatever, uh, or, or maybe they'll uh, pass Battle Royale and uh, wait for whatever next fad comes up. Even though Battle Royale is starting to become uh, yeah, quite saturated. I think Battle Royale is the current fad or the current next thing, you know, and we'll see whatever comes next. But I think that's pretty obvious that Battle Royale has now become it's it's this year's version of the hero shooter, you know. But yeah, that's that's a little bit off topic. Yeah. So I think we had a good conversation there. Uh, if you have any feedback for that one, uh, let us know. The VGL podcast at gmail.com or VGL podcast on the Twitter. Indeed. Which does lead us into oh. Community Corner, but I need to go refill my water. Okie dokie. We are going to move on to Community Corner. We have two audio letters this week. Yeah, it turns out uh, first... putting Kerbal in the uh, game club is what good people up. Yeah. I may have twisted a few arms too. So, anyways. Let's uh, do our first one, which is Kyle. Here's Kyle. He's going to tell us about some science stuff. Greetings, Jay Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming at you with what I more or less normally came at you with, and that's pseudo-video game legal type stuff. So in the last couple of months, I've been playing quite a bit of Factorio, and one of the things that has graced Factorio is the addition of nuclear reactors. And that got me thinking. 
could you legally build a nuclear reactor to power your base and or house in the United States in real life? The short answer is yes, sort of. See, building the nuclear reactor isn't a problem as far as the state, federal, or local government is concerned, but we'll get to that in a second. The problem would be getting the fissile material, or at least getting enough of it in order to hit what's called critical mass and actually have the reactors start producing energy. So before we go too much farther into this, let's talk physics and fissile material. So fissile material in this case would be uranium-238 with about 3% uranium-235 encased in aluminum. That's essentially what a nuclear fuel rod is, and when it's placed next to other rods of similar types in enough quantity, they start uh, undergoing a spontaneous nuclear chain reaction. That chain reaction heats water, which is called coolant, which then goes through a heat exchanger, which heats clean water, uh, which goes through a steam turbine and is then cooled before being released back into for lack of a better term, the wild. And this produces megawatts of energy. Now, in Factorio, you have much the same design. You have a nuclear reactor, which is the reaction vessel where the actual nuclear fission is taking place. You need heat pipes to take the heat out to a heat exchanger where the clean water is pumped in and turned to steam, which is then sent down through a turbine assembly, which then turns the heat energy into electrical energy. So let's break that down. There's essentially three parts that we need to check and see if the uh, government would let you have. The first part would be the turbine, which is essentially just a giant alternator, a spinning thing that generates electricity. And considering that you have one of those in your car, I would say, check, you can have one of those, no questions asked. The second part would be the heat exchangers, and in Factorio they're these pretty massive blocky type things, and that's not really what they are in real life. While heat exchangers are a little more complicated than this, a simple heat exchanger could be two coils of copper pipe that are touching each other in a sealed system. That is, the liquid from the first system never interacts with the liquid from the second system, and the only thing that gets transferred is thermal energy and nothing else. So, considering they sell copper piping at Lowe's, looks like we're good. Two for two so far. But that brings us to the third component, the reaction vessel itself. Now, surely this massive piece of machinery would probably be illegal in the eyes of the federal, state, and local government, right? Weirdly enough, no. You can actually build all three pieces of machinery no problems. In fact, you can even get your hands on the amount of graphite you would need to make control rods to keep the reaction from running out of control. Here's where this gets a bit squiffy, though. Fissile material is not only highly regulated, it's also stupidly expensive. Remember earlier when I mentioned critical mass? Well, the fact of the matter is, in order to get enough fissile material to get a nuclear chain reaction going, you would need to spend something in the neighborhood of, at a minimum, $250,000 in uranium costs. Not to mention, you would also need to get licensed up the ass through the Nuclear Regulatory Commission before they would even consider selling you the nuclear material in the first place. So this whole project looks to be dead in the water. Or is it? So nuclear fission is completely out. However, what about nuclear fusion? Weirdly enough, you can have a nuclear fusion reactor that's about the size of a copy machine in your basement, and the government actually won't bat an eye. 
Without boring you with the physics too terribly much, the only thing that you would really need to make this run is a substance called deuterium, which is an isotope of hydrogen, which is super common. You could pretty easily get enough of it to run a small reactor from a couple of glasses of water if you were able to split the water between the hydrogen and oxygen, and then also differentiate between the regular hydrogen, deuterium, and if you're really, really lucky, tritium. Alright, ACES, my plan for a nuclear power station in my basement is a go. So what's standing in my way? The federal government? Well, no, not really. I mean, deuterium is a listed substance in high quantities, but we're just looking to make a small nuclear reactor. The state government, same thing, and as long as you're careful, I'm not sure that the local government would care. Mind, we are dealing with hydrogen, and it is what you would call a stupidly volatile element. No, there are two major laws that get in the way of this. The first one is, again, the law of physics. Critical mass means that the reactor, being the size that it is, fitting in our basement, will always need to draw more energy to fuse the atoms than the atoms would produce fusing themselves, just because the reaction vessel's not large enough. We would need to go bigger, and at that point you would start running into city zoning laws, and the station would start taking up a couple of city blocks, and then you have to start buying property, and it kind of defeats the whole purpose of this thought exercise, which actually brings me to the second law body that would probably go ahead and stand in the way of this. Weirdly enough, depending on where you live, your local homeowners association might actually have the final say on 86ing this whole reactor idea before it even got started. They basically don't want you putting anything in your yard or in your basement that could be considered either dangerous or hideously unattractive that does not go with the neighborhood aesthetic. Now, if you don't live in a city or in a suburban neighborhood, you would have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But basically, think of them as the lawn Nazis. So to answer my own question, is it illegal to build a nuclear reactor in your backyard? By the letter of the law, no, it's not. It's just illegal to turn it on if it's a fission reactor, and you're never actually going to get your money back out of it if it's a fusion reactor, just because of the limitations of the technology at this time. So is this question only tangentially related to video games, and did I use Factorio as basically a loose framework to go ahead and answer a question that nobody was asking? Yeah, basically, but I did a lot of research on this just because I was curious my own self, and the findings were kind of interesting, so I decided to share them. Anyways, maybe next week I'll actually talk a little bit more about video games. Anyways, I've been Kyle. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Alrighty, thank you Kyle very much for your audio letter about nuclear fission and fusion and building a reactor in your house. Yeah, uh, Kyle, uh, a quick question. Whenever you gave the dimensions on this... uh did you include room for a groove? Because you know how he loves to get in small boxes with uranium. <laughs> or, well, sorry, that's plutonium. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's radioactive. It's close enough, right? It gives him a nice, healthy glow. And he's talking about yeah. regulations. Well, it's a good thing, yeah, we're rolling back all those troublesome regulations, so. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you really think I would mention that? No, I didn't. <clears throat> Um, also about your HOA thing, the, one of the main reasons that we moved where we did was because I hate HOAs and everything that they stand for. You mean for. lawn Nazis. Fuck, fuck those lawn Nazis, yeah. So you hate Tennessee lawn Nazis? Pretty much. Now we just need to get you a black suit, pack of smokes, I, half a tank of gas. You know, with, with everything that you talked about, 
Kyle, it would be easier for me because I live really, really close to a nuclear plant. Close enough that I'm within, like, the danger zone if there's ever a meltdown. So, uh, it would be easier for me to just get, like, some really long extension cords <laughs> and just go plug them into the Watts Bar nuclear plant well, well, and just get power that well, way. One other thing, he talked about funds being a problem. <coughs> Isn't that the reason why there's crowdfunding? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, kickstart a nuclear reactor. Literally. We could all move. <laughs> I see what you did there. We could all move to the same place, kickstart a nuclear reactor fund build one and then we'd be good we'd be good yeah just i'm not sure if i want to put kyle in charge of it because you know one night he gets drunk and then we have our own little chernobyl <laughs> <laughs> well you know at least it'd be a good story you know uh well can't really tell uh, your children that because well i, I imagine radiation have a uh, adverse effect and you know uh, i also imagine radiation would have an adverse effect of having more well you know ghost shark and i both have children so maybe there's a chance that between i believe our four children i think ghost shark has three it's two or three but between our group of children hopefully one of them would be able to pass on the story to their children survive long enough and if not, or at least have a yeah. or at least have a handy mutation uh, that that could be the a shitty one like cancer. <laughs> that could be a fun part is uh, we could uh, form our own X Men group <laughs> if it melts down. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how that works, but I like the way you're thinking. We'll see if we all just believe it enough, <laughs> then it becomes true. Maybe, hey, maybe Kyle, if you want to just keep doing educational stuff, we could create a new segment called Kick Kyle's Education Corner. Except we do two Ks instead of K E C. Well, you don't want to call it as a cool corner. Kyle's cool corner, KKK. <laughs> I would do that. I would. I would do that. <clears throat> or uh, teaching time with Kyle. That one doesn't like sound as snappy, but I kind of think that's cute. Teaching time with oh, Kyle. Well, let's see if he keeps uh, writing in first. Ky- Kyle's reeducation center. <laughs> <laughs> Now we are going to end up on a list. Yeah. Oh, who am I kidding? Yep. We're all on lists. Oh, I'm sure I'm on a lot of lists. Especially with some of the things you uh, tweeted at certain uh, government officials. Yeah. Dumbasses. <laughs> I have you know they're very stable. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> oh, I have to Anyways. Admit, I love poking you about that. I know you do. But let us move on to our second audio letter, which comes to us from Ghost Shark. Hey guys, so I joined the dark side. I went in on Battlefront 2. I know, I know, I'm not proud of it. But it was on sale, and I've been watching some Let's Plays of the campaign, and I make horrible choices with my money when I'm drinking. Anyways, my impressions so far aren't that bad. Yeah, my views probably skewed a bit since I'm such a Star Wars nut, but I went into this knowing just how troubled the whole release has been. Graphics and clean UI aside, I am still working through the main campaign, but I'm thinking with about six hours into the game, I probably don't have much left. I've dabbled with multiplayer as well, and I can honestly say it's not totally broken. There's a definite power issue when it comes to the ability cards, and when you have a maxed out hero character to fight against, good luck. I was in a mission the other day where we, the Rebels, had to survive 
an assault against the Yavin, uh, on the Yavin base. Uh, it wasn't long before somebody showed up with a maxed out Vader, and he gave us a trouncing. Between him and some of the other hero characters, we ended up getting pushed back to the courtyard in front of the temple. Uh, enter another Imperial player with an ATST that had maxed out abilities as well. That seemed to lock down the entire courtyard. So we were pushed back again and stuck inside the building. All in all, we won the match by making the very last position our Alamo and managed to run down the enemy's number ticker before they capped our position. I can't say for all the maps if it would be this way, but it was interesting on this one because the more ground we lost, the more handicapped the enemy got. Uh, there was long corridors that made it easier for us to defend, and there's open bays that we had to that we had high ground cover on that uh, the enemy had to charge through uh, withering fire in order to get to us, which didn't work so well for him. So. Um, a note about the loot kit boxes as well. As the game is right now, there's only three boxes, but there are three boxes that you that are always available for purchase using the in-game credits or crystals. Uh, there's a daily crate that you get for logging in, and you get various loot boxes for odds and milestones that you accomplish. Seeing as how I haven't sunk a whole lot of time in the game, I'm getting them fairly quickly, uh, but they are starting to kind of trickle down a little bit. I definitely won't be spending any more money on a game unless it's actual DLC and it's on sale. Even if this means I'm going to end up sucking forever. Personally, I wished more people would do this. I'm afraid that with all the hate and boycotting that the EA is getting and Battlefront 2, uh, the execs won't understand what's pissing us off and either stop making Star Wars games altogether or find another way to be scummy. I feel that by buying a game and not paying into it any more than the initial cost would make more of a statement on just what's gotten us upset. It's probably a wishful thinking. So, on to another subject, shareware. You guys were talking about it the other day, and it got me thinking of some of my early days of gaming. Growing up, we only had Macs in the house, and never a Windows machine. Both of my parents did graphics design for their jobs, and back then, you just had to use Apple for that. Anyways, there was at least or there were a couple subscriptions to Mac-centric magazines coming into the house, and each month there was at least one disc with all kinds of goodies and games to try out. Back then, shareware was a norm, and there were several hours. Or there were several titles that I sunk hours into. To this day, you give me any of the classic shooters like Wolfenstein 3D, Duke Nukem 3D, or the original Shadow Warrior, and I can tell you where everything on the first map is. After that, I suck. But there's one in particular that I can always look back fondly on, and it's a perfect example of how I think shareware should work. Uh, there was a game... There used to be a company called Ambrosia. They made a series of games called the Escape called Escape Velocity. These games were a 2D top-down space sim with trading, combat, and amazing stories. Basically, think of like Elite Dangerous, only two-dimensional. Um, might not sound like much, but the stories in the dialogue boxes as you explore the galaxy were full, were full of epic tales of action, betrayal, honor, treachery, and even love. My teenage imagination soaked this up like a sponge, and nostalgia the nostalgia is so strong for this one, I was thinking of recording a game series. Alright, let's play for it. That is, until I found a spiritual, spiritual successor in a game called Endless Sky. It does everything the old game did, only with more modern graphics and some new design features that make the gameplay more streamlined. But I'm getting off track. So how did the Escape Velocity handle the fact that it was shareware? By regularly 
subtly reminding you that it was, and quite rarely, smacking you in the face to tell you. You see, when you played the game without registering, you could play the entire game. Granted, every time you loaded the game, there was a menu. Oh, there was a button. Or, I'm sorry, there was a, a pop-up you had to get rid of that would tell you how many days you were playing the unregistered version. Um, but once you got in the game, you could play. You could run any mission you want, take any cargo, start any quest line, buy any ship, assuming you had the money. But about every ten minutes or so, you'd be buzzed by a ship piloted by, by Captain Hector. On the comms, he would kindly remind you that you were playing the shareware version and fly past you, jumping out of the system. However, on a very rare occasion, he would show up with a vengeance. There would be some sort of angry comment coming from I don't remember what it was. Then he would blast you into oblivion with way more weaponry than his little ship should have had. It didn't matter how big of a craft you had, he would just melt it. The great part about this was that the game saves its progress every time you land at a station or a planetary body. So when he killed you, you'd only lose maybe five minutes or so, usually. Uh, the chances of him doing this were pretty slim, somewhere around 1%, I think. But I kind of get the feeling that the longer you went with the unregistered version, the more frequently he would try and shoot you down. Um, as it was, I ended up buying it eventually, and I still have the registration code to this day, and I believe the game is actually on my computer uh, fully registered. Surprisingly enough, the servers are still working, or the registration servers still work. So, Anyways, I've taken up too much time for now, so I think I'll call it a night. Uh, except to say that I am really excited for next, this month's Game Club. I've been thinking about I've been wanting to play a Telltale game again of late, and this is the perfect opportunity. I'm actually thinking about streaming it, I just have to find a time to do so. I, I might actually give Mixer a try, as a steam, a stream delay is much shorter, so I could get some audience participation. It might be fun to get the VGL community shouting out directions and have poor Biggie make all kinds of wrong decisions. Anyway, that's an idea. We'll see how it pans out. For now, I'm signing off. Later, guys. Thank you very much, Ghost Shark, for your audio letter. Uh, Battlefront Two. Uh, yeah, I think he needs to hide his credit card when he starts to drink. <laughs> I mean, ult- ultimately, I've said this bunches of times. Ultimately, it's your money. Yeah, do what you true. want with it. That doesn't mean that you won't get any shit from <laughs> us, though. Yeah, uh, especially whenever I di- have a disagreement with you. Yes, uh, I-, I disagree with uh, uh, your best form of protest is buying the game, but not uh, getting uh, microtransactions. I respectfully disagree on that one because you become plankton for the whales. I mean, you talked about it yourself. You encountered people that had all the upgrades and they were non-killable. So uh, you are no longer a player of the game. You are content. Yeah. I mean, Battlefront 2 is is basically a free-to-play game that you have to pay full price for up front. And, uh, I mean, as we've discussed many times on this show, the the whales need someone to prey upon. <clears throat> so if you buy the game and then don't buy into the microtransactions, you are, like Rach just said, the content. Yeah, you are the plankton that feeds the whales. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, your, uh, yeah, uh, do you uh, refute that uh, point? Because uh, I realize that is a very controversial statement because there's a lot of people that... Uh, it takes Ghost Shark's side, and there's people that takes my side. Uh, 
I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Indeed. Indeed. Other things that you talked about, uh, shareware, also your hist- your family history, mm-hmm. growing up as a kid. That's yeah, cool. uh, poor, uh, poor um, kid. Well, uh, poor uh, uh, small shark. <laughs> the the uh, original baby ghost yeah. shark. Baby shark. Uh, baby, sh- uh, ba- uh, baby ghost shark OG. <laughs> OG BG. Yes. <laughs> M-O-U-S-C. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the the game that you you talked Escape about, Velocity, it's, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, Escape Velocity I, I, and its modern I spiritual successor. Ever playing that? Granted, I I have uh, gamed on a Mac, but let's see. Last time I gamed on a Mac was uh oh right, Oregon Trail. <laughs> um, oh wait, that was technically an Apple, wasn't it? Never mind. But you mentioned its spiritual successor, Endless Sky. Never heard of this game before, but when I saw it and the fact that it was free to play, I downloaded it immediately. So in the next couple of weeks, I'll probably be talking about this. Depends on how much of the other games I want to play I get through, plus I have to do the Game Club game, but... Yeah, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, obviously, everyone knows well, I love... Well, I'll put it on my wish list at some point, so uh, games. just to keep an eye on it. So I definitely uh, saw it at some point, <laughs> unless yeah. I've been drinking. Oh, you have been sick, and you're taking drugs. Yeah, yeah I did uh, drink an entire bottle of cough syrup in two days. Woo. So I got that going for me. Which is nice. <laughs> uh, but also, speaking of Game Club game, I'm glad that you're excited to play Wolf yeah, Among Us. Uh, to and... be perfectly honest, Wolf Among Us was kind of an emergency pick, because we couldn't really decide, and I think it was... Yeah, it was mostly my fault shooting down things, and I think also I was starting to come down with uh, my illness and was feeling blah. But still, this is—I <laughs> I agree with you. This is a good choice, and I think what I'm going to do is the same thing I did with Life is Strange. I think I'm going to record every chapter and just post them on my YouTube channel. No, no voice or no, just straight up gameplay. But I mean, if you were to stream it, if I was available to watch, I could come. I could come be your wingman. I don't know. You do it whenever you can. Don't try and plan things around me. <laughs> uh, doesn't Wolf Among Us be... uh, have a very strict timer on its choices? Yeah. Just like most Telltale games. So that does kind of shoot down this idea of uh, audience participation. Sorry, no Rocky Horror Picture Show for you this time. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you have like five or ten seconds to make every decision, which is not enough time to get feedback based on the delay. Just the stream, the natural stream delay. Yeah, granted, there are, uh, yeah, uh, there are games out there that have the Twitch integration that's usually just Twitch, unfortunately, uh, that uh, lends itself to your idea, but I'm blanking on any, uh, well, uh, what would you even call Wolf Among Us? You can't call it point and click these days. Uh, choose your own adventure. Yeah, I mean, it's a Telltale game. It falls into that Telltale genre of it, it choose your own adventure games. Yeah, but we're going to have to come up with a genre name before too long. I mean, we have two Life of Stranges now. Or Lives yeah. of Strange. Whatever. I mean, I would just say choose your own adventure game. I mean, it's it's a modern version of the, you know, the old choose your own adventure books. Yeah, and, because yeah, and you, you know, now there's other you games. keep your finger on the previous page and go uh, cheat. <laughs> Absolutely. 
That is, uh, that reminds me, that's one thing that Genderbender does. When you get to one part, it's like, man, wouldn't it be great if I could, like, save my real-life progress in case I fucked this next thing up? That way I could go back and try again? Yeah, that would be really great if only real life worked that way. Uh. And then the character, like, looks directly at the screen. I like that. I like that sort of cheesy fourth-wall break stuff. Mm. Not sure how I feel about that. But, anyways. But- uh, is there anything else on the audio letter front? I don't think so. Uh, we uh, we have thanks uh, for Genderbender. Go we have had some interesting talk about shareware lately. Yeah, thanks Jim for bringing that topic up last week. Well, I guess technically it was several weeks ago, but we didn't get to the letter until last mm-hmm. week. <clears throat> so uh, tweets, but, uh, we actually had a couple. Yep. Uh, Kyle, in regards to the free to play model, I agree uh, with the shareware model pr- proposed by Jim. And also, built is a fantastic yet heterocentric word. Good job. And uh, uh, Kyle also posed us a question. So there's our question for the week. So we don't have to go digging in that. In your mind, what is the best video game antagonist? Uh, and uh, do you want oh, the do, do you want the uh, answers from uh, the community? Because we have well, I know we have what, a few here. I know what Chemises is. I liked it. Uh, it was the what is it, the sp- the minimum spec system requirements like a groove chimed yes, in uh, microtransactions and Mel's uh, frame rate I would say <laughs> what I like all of those I would say That's EA excellent you would say EA hmm best video but if you want I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something clever here but I feel like the most clever answers have all been taken already or, or, or if you want a, a more clever and funny answer, my own poverty. <laughs> um, oh, server connection issues. But if you want a, a yeah, a video game, uh, yeah, character, I would say Gladys probably. Yeah, Gladys is good. Um, uh, I, I, I would say Handsome yeah, well, Jack. Well, ha- Handsome Jack is kind of my backup choice, even though yo, know, I'm uh, burned out as hell on uh, Borderlands Two. As a character, he's interesting. Yeah. And absolutely um, insane. <clears throat> Kreia from uh, Nazi Republic 2. Uh, never played she's, it. I, I, I've had it in my uh, library for ages. She's a really good antagonist. Uh, do you want me to spoil uh, no. or not spoil the reason? Okay. No, I, 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 I know the big twist of Knights of the Republic 1, but I don't know much about uh, 2. So, Okay. Yeah, she's she's very good. There's any others that really, really, really stick out in my mind? Bowser, maybe. I mean, Bowser's kind of been all over the place yeah, yeah. in that entire history, but yeah, I mean, that kind of gives him. Uh, well, uh, I mean, he's uh, just a father wanting to reunite with the mother of his children. He's he's memorable. I guess that's what I'm. Yeah, true. Really, yeah, memorable. That, that, that's a problem. Is that a lot of antagonists are kind of throwaway. You know, you know, use them once and gone. And they have to Sephiroth. I mean, there, there's an example of him just sticking around, possibly for too long. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, he's come back in every single Final Fantasy VII thing, which yeah. Uh, it, honestly, it felt a lot more interesting to me whenever he was more mysterious. But they've uh, gone on to him for so many times, possibly because he just has an awesome theme, which uh, the uh, guitar version of it 
It's just badass as hell from, uh, I'm blanking on the uh, subtitle of the uh, uh, movie, but the Final Fantasy VII movie that uh, was put out. Uh, there's been like two or three Final Fantasy VII movies. Uh, the one out, that was pretty much the direct sequel to the game. Okay, I'm not sure which one that is, uh, honestly. Uh, but uh, just, uh, it feels like Sephiroth is kind of overplayed, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And now uh, I'm blanking. I'm trying to think. Sorry. Uh, hang on. I'm blanking on his name, so I'm looking it up real quick. But uh, Kuja, uh, I prefer as a Final Fantasy uh, villain uh, from Final Fantasy IX uh, over Sephiroth, actually. Uh, his story is really interesting. He, he's uh, basically designed as a weapon to destroy a world and has this a whole arc of yo, what am I? And then he goes insane. Well, alright. Uh, Final Fantasy Nine is actually my favorite Final Fantasy. Yes, it does have its problems, but it has a really good story overall. Ooh, ooh, I have another one. Roman from GTA 4. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Jim, uh, did you say Jim's tweet? Because I want to uh, go look at this. Just... Uh, no, I haven't yet. Okay, I don't. I didn't know if it, he tweeted. Oh, oh, oh I don't have him. Uh, I don't Sweet. have one from him on this. So okay, well, while I'm here, I'll just go ahead and read. Jim's reply was gravity shows up in a lot of games and has probably taken out more players than any other villain. Gravity is a heartless bitch. Science. I can't come up with it, come up with any more jokes or ones that are right off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure if I sat here and thought for a while longer, I could come up with some. But I mean, the best. A lot of times are just the ones that are most memorable, and it doesn't really mean best as in like they're the best bad guy it's just they're good enough they stick out in your mind yeah and like i said uh the problem with bad guys is they often are just one use yeah one uh game one story and then they're gone i mean you if the bad guy gets away it's kind of a uh uh just a uh, blue balls you really that, that yeah. was my well i didn't play it but Hearing the uh, final confrontation with, uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on uh, the World of Warcraft. Uh, uh, it was the new war chief that replaced Thrall. Okay. I don't remember uh, who that is. Uh, but he had this big thing where he was basically uh, trying to take over the world. You fight him, it, you essentially knock him out, and he becomes a force in the next expansion because you imprisoned him which is yeah maybe makes lore sense but at the same time it's does it tell a good story which falls back to my whole problem with world of warcraft having some great world building and some great backstory but gameplay wise it doesn't have a lot yeah plus there was always that thing where thrall was essentially jesus to at least one developer <coughs> And would be put the in the center of their story every single fucking time. Yep, still trying to think of any more that I could put on the list. But oh, I got another uh, 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 joke one. Nvidia okay. game works. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, since it now has physics, and you know, physics. If you don't run uh, uh, an Nvidia card is absolute shit. No one said loot boxes yet. 
Well, microtransactions. Yeah, but I, I, loot boxes are a specific type of microtransaction. That was my reply tweet. Loot boxes. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. My own teammates. <laughs> yeah, my own team in every multiplayer <laughs> game ever. Okay, let me just line up the shot. Oh, why the fuck did you hit me? Ooh, ooh, another one. Stupid AI. Yeah, but at the same time, they are also your greatest ally. They are the the best meat shields. Um, Gabe. Yeah, I think I'm out. <laughs> Half Life Three. <laughs> See, we have to defeat Gaben uh, to release Valve uh, to be able to create Half Life Three. Greater. Uh, I'd greater, say at this point, uh, how many of the voice actors has uh, died that would have been in Half Life Three? I don't know. I mean, there was the absolute tragic death of Gordon Freeman's voice actor. Yeah, <laughs> just the other sounds. It took it took a second for my brain to click that over because I'm still thinking, trying to think of something clever, more clever things to add. How about myself fucking up in games? No, no, it's never that you. Make, it's always this fucking controller. <laughs> right, it's the controller. It's those damn hackers. It's the damn Chinese cheaters. It's lag. It's always lag. I never make mistakes. It's always lag. Except when you do make mistakes. <laughs> I make lots of mistakes. Obviously, I told several stories earlier about screwing up and blowing up and elite. Can't blame that on lag. It's all me. But, anyways. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think I'm... One last tweet is just Ghost Shark saying, since this uh, uh, game month's game is Wolf Among Us, I'm thinking about uh, bringing it into, streaming, uh, into the streaming scene. Might try a mixer so uh, viewers can chime in on decisions. Uh, uh, day and time to come. And Kyle, Aces, let's do this. So there we go. Uh, if you have any uh, feedback or just want to reply to anything we've said, vglpodcast at gmail.com or the Twitter, once again, is vglpodcast. Woohoo. Alrighty. Well, then let us move on to the last thing, which is the part of the podcast where I go first, because we decided not to do Steam Discovery. Yeah, it turns out, yeah, we're right at the four hour mark now, so um, maybe best to skip that this time around. Indubitably. So, what's coming up on my channel and what has been going on on my channel? I'm basically undergoing this big project to put all of Kerbalcast, the, the entire Kerbalcast archive on YouTube. I mean, it's not a ton of work. It takes a little bit of time, but it's super easy because, you know, obviously everything's already been edited. Um, I posted a big tweet to, I think, everybody who had old Kerbalcast stuff, but... If you're a listener who also listened to Kerbalcast and you have We're sorry. images, <laughs> you have images or like, I don't know, song clips or anything that ever came from the show that I could add in. Theories around. about what happened to Biff. Um, yeah. Uh, feel free to send me those. You can post a link and a tweet to me or you can message me on Steam and say, hey, I've got, I've got this. How do you want me to get it to you? You can mail it to the show vglpodcast at gmail.com. I'll get it there. Um, I've collected quite a bit from everybody, especially from you, Rage, because you had a big folder full of stuff. Well, that was my old but, folder of all the random logos I made. 
yeah, other people have sent me stuff too. I got a few things from what I could find from old tweets of mine, but I mean, you know, the show ran for a couple of years. There's bound to be a lot of stuff that was buried. So, um, I did, I did purposely not take any personal images of people. Like there's some pictures from a convention where I think Nos met ghost shark and someone else. Um, but I, I purposely didn't use that. Have you tried tracking down Nos? Uh, he doesn't respond to anything I've sent him. I'm actually follow him on Twitter because I found out who he was. Oh. But he doesn't respond to anything I've sent him in the last two years, so I haven't even bothered. Uh, but anyways, yeah, if you've got anything, send it to me. That's pretty much all that's going up on my YouTube channel right now, aside from the podcast and the occasional little random gameplay Yeah, thing. I need to try to so, recover so that we could uh, finish off Divinity finally. And then yeah, have another game that we just have a, a complete... <laughs> A break on a, what? What is this? The third uh, major break? Yeah, but maybe we should do know. something slightly shorter. Yeah, maybe do some random stuff for a couple of weeks, just as like a palate cleanse, and then jump into another game. Or at least, uh, yeah, got... finish off Divinity, then figure out. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I mean. Finish off Divinity, then do maybe like some palate cleanse stuff, either something really short or just some random games. I don't know. We we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. Uh, anyways, if you want to see that YouTube stuff, you can head over to Gaming Psychologist on the YouTubes. Uh, I will say that YouTube is dumb. We know this. We've complained about it before. But YouTube is constantly monetizing and or saying that my ad, my videos are not suitable for ads. Too much biff. The Kerbal, the Kerbalcast stuff. And then changing. And then they get the green check mark or the green dollar sign or whatever but then it goes back and then it goes back and i've tried changing like thumbnails and i've uploaded different you can see why whenever this originally happened to me uh with uh dark chronicle or yeah dark cloud 2 whatever you want to call it i panicked yeah i uh i originally wasn't really killed my momentum on everything to be it was kind of uh the linchpin of everything kind of stopping on my channel for a while yeah I originally was going to just leave them unmonetized, but then a couple of them got monetized by third parties, and I just went, fuck it. If some of these are going to have ads on them, I might as well get the, like, three cents from well, it. Well, so I expect I a penny and a half in the mail. Yeah. So I just went ahead and made them all monetized. If YouTube or other, you know, whoever's are going to claim the videos, some of them, then I'll just take the rest of them. Or you're just going to so, uh, open up the door one day and Biff's there with a bat. <laughs> I, mine are only set to do pre-roll ads, skippable pre-roll, pre-roll ads. So if you get one that has more than just skippable pre-roll ads, that's definitely one that is monetized by someone else. So, but yeah, other than that, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so over at JMA4707. Um, if you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, we were supposed to do that Monday night, but then I kind of got sucked into uh, Gender Bender and didn't do it. But I think, I mean, I, th- I think I said this week, last week, Monday night streams are going to come back or are going to be the new stream night unless somebody has a major problem with that. And we'll just play with it for a little while. So I hereby declare that this coming Monday, unless something happens, there will be a stream. I will send out a tweet to everyone about what we're going to play. I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm thinking something just nice and easy to get back into it, like Rocket League or something like uh, well, that. We're not going to all uh, sit around and watch uh, movies on Gary's Mod. 
Uh, I'd have to get Gary's Mod first, and I want some confirmation from people that they want to do that before I just go buy Gary's also, Mod. Also, I need to make sure that that mode still works. <laughs> yeah, we should probably do that first before we do yeah, that, that. That's probably but, a good idea. Yeah. But anyways, if you want to be a part of that, want to watch the streams, you can do so over, over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send me a friend request to jarthur4707. I made a couple of new friends this last week after the uh, last couple of weeks after the award show and got several new Twitter followers. So that they, they weren't spam bots. I get those somewhat frequently. But to all the non-spam bot people out there who now follow me and are friends with me on Twitch... Hi, thanks for doing that. Drop me a drop me a line sometime. I'd love to talk to you. And if you were to let me know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is sick day. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, my channel is completely empty at the moment because I was setting up to record and then just my sciences went bleh. And continue to do so for the next several days. So my channel has been completely empty for you know, the last week or so. Plans are still pretty much set for Civ Five. Uh, for the A slot, I'm approximately halfway through of what I want to test for RimWorld to get that up and running. So assuming nothing else happens, that's going to be uh, uh, coming back soon. Hopefully, maybe. Hell if I know. It's I've been promising that one before, but it's just it requires a lot of time to be able to sit down and uh, test it because yeah, I had the entire uh, save file just collapse on me on mods, and this time I'm not running anything major, but it's a lot of small quality of life changes, so I'm a yeah you know, a little concerned about it. Uh, beyond that, uh, hopefully the Vandy comes back before too long. Well see about that and sunday sampler is looking good for this week assuming once again my health continues to improve because yeah i don't want to sit and try to edit all the hacking and coughing because that's jared's job yeah this will be a fun week yeah and let's put it this way i'm on bottle water three <laughs> and i'm still hacked and coughed like crazy this week so it seemed uh, a little counterproductive, especially since it was a slow week anyway. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But if you wish to see you know, whatever pops up when uh, content starts rolling again, you can find me over on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or on the Twitter, Gaming with CR. And speaking of the Twitter, and let's throw email in there, in there as well. Once again, our contact info is regalepodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just random nonsense. Looking at you, Kyle. <laughs> and questions. We still have question of the yeah, week. True. Oh, that we're building yeah, true. Well, up that was a tweet this week. We've had some. Right? Uh, which is VGL Podcast on the Twitter. Our podcast is graciously funded by our patrons, which we did have our patron, uh, well, our first patron discussion this week. Uh, if you wish to uh, be able to uh, pick your topic, you can do so over on Patreon at a, at the $20 tier, but we do appreciate all our supporters. Patreon.com slash VGL podcast. And thank you very much for all the support. Our 
show notes can be found vglpodcast.podbean.com uh, with our RSS feed there as well. And you can find us as well. And I'm saying as well as a lot here because my voice is starting to finally fade at the four hour mark on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever Jared has shoved us. Our, uh, well, I've, I've, I heard what you did with the sausage. So, you know, uh, I think it's free to assume there. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com. And I am done here. As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. Uh, well, at least you got me talking this week. Bye bye. <laughs>